Hey everyone, happy Tuesday, and welcome to Game Face, episode 287 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, the founder of Sifted and the host of Game Face, alongside my good compadre, Matt Kyle. What's going on, Matt? How much? The uh, big news <laughs> happening in the games yeah. industry. People just won't stop buying things. Yeah, it's pretty crazy what's been going on in the last couple weeks. We're going to dive into, obviously, PlayStation buying Bungie. We're going to talk about that right off the top. Uh, we got a big game to talk about in today's show. We're going to talk about Pokemon Legends, Arceus, Arceus, whatever the hell. I think we're going to decide on Arceus at this point. No, that's Arceus. It is Arceus. Definitely Arceus. Oh, crap. <laughs> you okay. have an Arc phone. It's clearly Arceus. That's true. That's a good point. That's a really yeah. good point. That's it. All right. There's a bunch of revelations in this that the Pokemon <laughs> fandom is having trouble with. <laughs> I, we'll talk about it. I, I, I'm excited to talk about that game. More than like a lot of games we've talked about lately. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely an interesting topic to discuss, and we're going to do that. Uh, not a lot of housekeeping today. We have four episodes left here in this studio before we're going to be kicked out and moved out to... Uh, we don't know yet. We're still looking for our new studio. We have today and then three more episodes in February before we get out of here. Um, we close the entries for the Sifted Fantasy Challenge. Hopefully you guys got in before it ended. We did everything we could. We posted it everywhere on our Facebook, on our Twitter like three times. Um, I tweeted it from my personal account at Dinfire. Um, I think we did everything that we could have to uh, get you guys in. But anyway, now the entries are done. You can actually go back to the page where you put your entries in, and you can see there's already some games where scores have started to trickle in, so the live leaderboard there is actually worth something already. Uh, and I would bookmark that page and just check back every month, two months, and see how your team's doing and see how you're lining up against the folks like Matt and I. Um, but anyway, Matt, how was your week? Anything exciting going on? Um, not especially. Pokemon uh, help somebody move. Wow. I saw, a, exciting. I saw a tweet or something the other day where someone said, after 35, you pay for movers. Because your friends... Oh, I did, yeah. Oh, okay. Because yeah. your friends are so old... But there's old. still like other stuff you gotta, you know, you got to unpack. And do yeah, that. yeah. Because your friends are so old that asking them to help you move at that point is really kind of being a jerk. Yeah. Because they're going to feel like bad if they don't, but they shouldn't be asked to help you move at that age. So no, there's a point where it's like, I'm not I'm, I'm not carrying a washer up a, up yeah. a stair, flight of stairs <laughs> right. for pizza. Or a That's couch. Not, yeah. <laughs> not happening anymore. Yeah. I don't think I would survive a move up like two flights of stairs anymore. Um, so interesting. Uh, we almost started the show late today, by the way. Uh, we got locked out. Hmm. <laughs> Matt hadn't even got here yet, and I went out to use the bathroom. When I went out, there were still people in our office and while I was in the bathroom, apparently everyone left. And luckily, someone came back from lunch and let us in at the last minute, just explaining the tweet that we sent out there a couple minutes ago, explaining that it may be a little late. But unfortunately, everything worked out, and we're here right at 1 o'clock. Let's head to chat before we get into the show proper to see what's going on. Oh, let's see. We've already hit. Wow. Already we hit the hype train. In the first, like, there it is. Hype. In the first, like, five minutes of the show. That's awesome. Um, let's see what we got here. I can't tell where the last show ended and this one started. Oh, here we go. Oh, first time chat from a viewer, Bobo Mojo. Thanks for chatting, man. Welcome to the show. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, Mezo Ren, thank you for Twitch Prime. El Guapo3385, thanks for Twitch Prime. Liberal Hack, gifting the tier one subs to the crew in our chat. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Andy T. Monahan doing the same thing. That's great. Um, Darmus, thank you for Twitch Prime. Bobo Mojo, thank you for the bits, man. Jose Holiday, thank you for the bits. You guys are awesome. This is great. 
Uh, what else? Justin, Justin Horman, Bangarang, 1,000 bits. You guys are awesome. Keep, like, keep going up. That's what Shaniki says. I agree with that 1,000%. Uh, so awesome. Thanks, guys. I got the show off to a good start today. Glad we made it in right on time. That's for sure. Um, okay, let's kick off the show. I think we're ready to rock here. Um, we're going to kick things off. No big surprise. We're going to talk right off the top about PlayStation buying Bungie. Matt, how much did this catch you off guard? Um, pretty off guard. I mean, <laughs> me too. Was not, I, was, I was expecting some kind of like, you know, Sony had been talking about it, but you know, oh, we're gonna we're gonna look into getting some things, you know, over to you know, back when Microsoft started snapping up devs like last year. And, mm-hmm. um, I don't think Bungie was on my list of expectations. No, not at all. In part because I would th- would think Bungie's tired of being bought. Like it's like, oh, we we got bought by by Microsoft. Oh, we don't like this anymore. We're leaving. We're getting, oh, we got bought by Activision. Oh, we don't like this anymore. We're leaving. Yeah. And now we're bought. I mean, like, no. it's, I mean, the deal they're striking here is basically for autonomy in exchange for some. Things. Imagine if you were a founder at Bungie. And you have now been paid out. Yeah, that's a lot of paying. Three times. I mean, I don't know how if those. I think the founders are gone. <laughs> Probably like Jason yeah. Jones and those guys. If there's anyone gone. left that was a part of the OG Bungie crew, though, that that employee has been paid. Yeah, <laughs> it's really crazy to think about why Bungie was off of my radar. Those reasons, but also because it makes one game. Right, but I I think that's sort of like the the strategy that that maybe people are missing is like. Um, obviously, this is not a direct response to uh, Microsoft buying Activision because this deal would have taken six years, six months to a year to put together. Um, pulling the trigger now might have been influenced by it, especially at the high price. I think they're overpaying for Bungie for sure. That's, here's my here's what um, I think about. It that. feels like a panic buy to some degree, just in terms of the the fact that they're paying half of what Microsoft paid for Bethesda for Bungie. Yeah. My theory is just that they want. They want an experienced first-person shooter dev in their back pocket in case Microsoft does, in fact, pull Call of Duty from PlayStation platforms in years from years from now. Yeah, um, they want some, or maybe they want to revamp Killzone. Who knows? Like, mm-hmm. like uh, having Bungie like there to you know do stuff for you is probably a good move. And if you can fund them to do more than one game, they probably will. Like, mm-hmm. part well, of they the said th- they already have another project in development. Yeah, Bungie. so I'm sure that. Uh, Having them at least, even if you're still going multi-platform, having them be the lead, you know, having PlayStation be the lead platform that gets everything first is still something, and is, it was, you know, it's clearly a huge advantage for them with Call of Duty. So that might they might just be looking for that kind of leverage. The question remains: like, can you make something that you know, n- nothing's going to catch Call of Duty, but can you make something that's like? As competitive. appealing, as competitive. I mean, we've seen attempts at similar things happen that just don't even. We you know, look at the look at Battlefield 2042 right now. It's mm-hmm. a disaster. Yeah, it and is, somehow it's still sold. Pretty still well. sold, but it's like it's <laughs> the, the the concurrent players on Steam are below five. Yeah, and like even today they were t- or was it yesterday they were talking about like oh we'll get like legacy features like scoreboards and voice chat in sooner but not it's not our immediate concern i'm like oh man why 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 can't i why can't i talk to people like it's 2005 in your game like it's bizarre it's just so yeah like call of duty and also as i always say execution 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 Mm -hmm. like you can make a call of duty clone all day but unless it feels as good as yeah. what Infinity Ward or Bungie's uh, Treyarch makes feels pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah. So I think I mean those headshots feel real. Yeah, Bungie real is real satisfying. Uh, Bungie is definitely on par. Uh, yeah. they, if anyone can do it, they can. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see what they come up with in three years, I guess. Um, Here's what I think, Matt. About it's just it's just the a, timing. yeah, it's just like 
was it three point eight billion? Yes. That is a lot of money it's insane, for Bungie. Matt. And here's what I think happened. So I agree with you. This has been in. They've been talking to Bungie for a while. Yeah. And rumor is that Microsoft was also talking to Bungie. Like like Bungie right. has apparently been on the the sales block for a while. Now. Yeah. So I do believe PlayStation was talking to them for a while. I do think that the deals that Microsoft has announced in the last two months between Bethesda and Activision Blizzard has stepped up the timeline a little bit for Sony, mm-hmm. and I also feel like it stepped up the price. So that's Probably. the most staggering I mean, I think, thing to me is yeah. how much they've paid. Yeah, I think this there has to be a little bit of like, hey, Microsoft would throw this at us without blinking kind of thing, and mm-hmm. like that's what we want. We want that, and we want you to not tell us what to do. And yeah. I guess they got it. Like, I, Seems like they had all the leverage in the negotiations. It really does. Because they had got way more money than I think they're worth. Yeah. Well, also, I guess, like, on, on the flip and side... And they can release games for other platforms. But on the flip side, I guess, if you're Sony, and you your stable is almost entirely single-player epic, epic action RPG things, mm-hmm. and you don't have a competitive multiplayer action game, really, and you want something that's sort of COD-adjacent... Mm-hmm. Who else are you going to buy right now? Who else is out there? There nobody. aren't many. There aren't many studios that make really good shooters that are no. out there and available. There's nobody out there. Like certainly that not would not that it would be up for sale. And like at this point, your options as Sony were probably to buy them or From, and From is just not going to fill yeah an that important void. an important void. Like mm-hmm. it, I mean, obviously From makes great games, but they make great games that sell three to five million copies. You're looking yeah. for something that sells fifteen. And I don't even know if Bungie can accomplish that. No, at I mean, this point. I, no, even Bungie, there's no guarantee they're going to make something that's going to be a runaway. I mean, look what happened with Anthem. Right. You know, like, we thought could, that was. You could get another Anthem. You could. Easily. Yeah. And the craziest part of this all is that Sony is making no bones about it that all Bungie's games are going to continue to be multi platform. Yeah. Like, and they're this not isn't, changing anything. This isn't like. And they are saying it. Like, very directly, yes. unlike Phil. This isn't like, Phil Spencer saying, yeah. like, ah, well, case by case, ba- we're, yeah, this where is you? not like the weird sort of like, we're going to say something that says it's still going to be there, but we're going to cover cover us if we change our mind. Sony's just saying, like, we aren't changing anything about this. They are going to, they are going, Bungie themselves are going to decide what they're going to pu- basically self publish. They're going to decide what platforms their games go on. Yeah. That's Here, it. Here's some quotes from an excellent gamesindustry.biz article. I, do encourage you to go and read the whole article. They did a great job on it. They had great access to some Sony executives. Um, Pete Parsons says, the first thing to say unequivocally is that Bungie will stay an independent multi-platform studio and publisher. And I have spoken about many things over recent months, and this was one of the first and actually easiest and most straightforward conclusions we reached together. Together. Everybody wants the extremely large Destiny 2 community, whatever platform they're on, to be able to continue to enjoy their Destiny 2 experiences. And that approach will apply to future Bungie releases. This is unequivocal. There's no, no, there's no gray area. This was obviously negotiated. And I do take some umbrage with that quote in where he says that, like, they reached this conclusion, like, you uni- like just organically. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that at all. Like, I believe that Bungie was like, well, if we make this deal, then we would like to stay multi-platform. And I feel like Sony may have pushed back on that. And then once Microsoft makes its big purchases, suddenly Sony mm. is like, okay. All right. Like, it has to be a thing where it's like they just get first dibs on things. Right. You know, timed, ex- timed exclusive, like, DLC. You know, like, I'm sure mm-hmm. Destiny expansions will come to PlayStation, like, three to six months before any other You think platform. that much? Yeah. I think they've done stuff like that before. Yeah. That seems like a lot of time. I want, and I wonder if that's exclusive even exclusive options. Like you know, you'll get PlayStation themed weapons, skins, or you know, like things like that. But like nothing that nothing that would like 
you know, revolutionize which platform you want to play that game on mm-hmm. or uh, that kind of thing. I, I guarantee you Destiny stuff won't be on Game Pass anymore. Yeah. I don't know. It might. I don't know. Yeah, if Microsoft wants to give them money, which then in turn gives Sony money. Like, who knows? I mean, that's there's, the there's angle, your fir- right? There's your first step. Like, there, there's a Sony-owned game on Game Pass. Yeah. I don't know. I feel here's another quote from Sony. We are starting to go multi-platform. You've seen mm-hmm. that. Um, we have an aggressive roadmap with live services and the opportunity to work with and particularly particularly learn from. The brilliant and talented people from Bungie. That is going to considerably accelerate the journey we find ourselves on. Um, Philosophically, this isn't about pulling things into the PlayStation world. This is about building huge and wonderful new worlds together. I... (laughs) Do you... First of all, I think they overpaid. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I I would never have thought Bungie would go for that much. No. And so... Certainly not in, in normal times. Do you think part of PlayStation's strategy with this is like, okay... You're going to demand that your games stay multi-platform because your community is multi-platform and you don't want to split them up and tear them away from whatever console they've bought or whatever. Mm-hmm. But do you do you think PlayStation is counting on, okay, Destiny 3 or whatever the next Bungie game is, making money off of Microsoft's audience like it did with MLB The Show 21 and it's now going to do it with MLB The Show 22? Do you think Sony's starting to understand like there's certain stuff that is actually advantageous for us to release it on other platforms. Yeah, I mean, certainly things... I mean, MLB makes sense as the first move on that. I guess that is on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. Um, MLB makes sense as the first move on that, largely because you are paying a license. Like, you know, like, they don't wholly own that. They have to pay a license. And to the, MLB. Yeah, yeah, and the more income and revenue they can get from just in general, wherever that source may be, the better it's going to be in terms of making profit over having to pay that license in the first place. Um Moving towards, you know, their more prestige stuff, you know, like, are we going to see God of War on Xbox? No, I don't think so. Um, but the stuff that's more periphery, peripheral, like the stuff that's, or like Destiny, which is a thing that already existed on everything, like that also doesn't project any weakness mm-hmm. to continue having that on there. Yeah. Um, do you believe this? Do you believe that Bungie, all Bungie's games will continue to be multi-platform? Or do you think in I think so. five years there will be... Because what people forget about this stuff, and I mentioned this on Good that Morning. That statement is very concrete. Like, if they go back on that, they're going to have to explain themselves, basically. Well, will people remember, I guess, is what oh, I'm yeah. getting at. Because here's the other thing. PlayStation fans will be happy if that happens. They're not going to complain. No, people it, will remember that, for sure. But I, I feel like when stuff like this happens, people always think about what's going to happen now. I mentioned this on this morning's episode of Good Morning Gaming. People always think about, okay, what's the next year? What's the next two years? These purchases are forever. Like, Mm -hmm. what happens six years from now, eight years from now, 12 years from now? Are people going to remember the stuff that was said in this gamesindustry.biz article? Yeah. You think? Yeah. Will they care? I mean, yeah, in the sense that they're going to say, hey, this is completely opposite what they said when they bought them. Yeah. And then that will be the end. Like, but what, what, a Bungie, well, what can you do? Like, but, right. What if Bungie just, comes out and says, we agree with this. We're totally cool with it. Does that change anything? Well, it changes their mind, apparently. I like, mean, in the eyes of fans, if Bungie is, if they know maybe, Bungie's not being forced to We know that nobody's going to gonna actually do anything about it. You're, just gonna, you're either going to not play it because you don't have a PlayStation, or you're going to play it anyway on PlayStation and switch platforms. Like, mm-hmm. you know, no, nobody actually boycotts anything. Do you think this is more Sony trying to get in on games as a service, recurring revenue, having those 
I mean, I know they they clearly want something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's also having a shooter developer in in the stable. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have anything like that. Yeah. I mean, they had Guerrilla making making Killzone, Killzone but clearly Guerrilla has moved on to open world action RPGs. Yeah, so. Insomniac, and they're better at that for a while. Both of them, both, both Insomniac yeah. and Gorilla, are better off. They're both not better doing shooters. other things. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And Bungie, that's pretty much all Bungie's made. There's Ani, which was not great. Bungie but, doesn't own that anymore. Yeah, Bungie but, doesn't own Myth and Oni anymore. Right, Take Two has those. I think. Yeah, but what I'm saying is like Bungie doesn't have a lot of experience making anything but shooters. So mm. it is kind of a puzzle piece fit where it kind of snaps. Yeah. They in are also Sony. it also puts them if you know if Sony wants to do another like a game as a service thing with another internal developer, they've got Bungie there to advise mm-hmm. because Bungie certainly knows what it what it is to start one of those from scratch and have to figure out how to do it correctly on the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, people forget how rough Destiny 1 was when it launched and how much they learned over the first couple of years. Um, you know, they've refined Destiny 2 into into a really slick machine. Um, and uh, I think having just that experience on board is going to be good for Sony. Are you surprised that Sony Corp signed off on this? Um, I'm su- a little surprised Sony Corp had the had that much money laying around. Um, like I, I, I don't quite see the immediate. I mean, it has to be a long term thing. Like it has to be like this is going to be a valuable asset in the stable for, for the next decade or more, right. kind of thing. Um, it's a lot of money. It's it, that's a that's, to make back. That's that's a third of a Star Wars mm-hmm. to pay for that. I mean, and I mean, uh, yeah, it's a lot of money for that. <laughs> Was this a good idea, Matt? What do you think? I don't. I mean, I think I think having Bungie in the stable is a good move. Uh, I just that amount of money is a lot to justify and. Long term, maybe it will, but like I do think there was, I think they were worth more right now because of how much Microsoft is buying stuff. I think all publishers right of, now are worth more. Yeah, not because of like um, Activision specifically, but just because Microsoft's on that tear. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think it's going to influence anything beyond that? Not really. I mean, Sony's clearly got a couple of other acquisitions in the pipeline. They've ta- they hinted at that already. Um, my guess would be that if you're talking about big purchases. Um, their next uh, um, their next move would be Square. Would it have been smarter to keep the money that they're spending on Bungie and put it towards something bigger? That's not for me to say. Yeah. Like, I don't know what Sony's planning. Like they, No, I'm saying from your perspective. Do you I don't think it would pers- have been smarter to I, spend double that and get Ubisoft? No. I don't, I don't know enough about the situation, the internal plan to have an opinion on that. Like... Also, I think Ubisoft would cost way more than that. Yeah, way, way. I just way looked at their valuation not long ago, and I was shocked at how low it was. Yeah, but if you actually came down to buying buying it, I think you'd be, you'd be in the you'd be in the ten to fifteen billion range. For yeah, that easily. So, but I mean, I would say buying Ubisoft for ten billion is better than buying Bungie for three billion. I would rather save that three billion and put it towards buying Ubisoft. But it doesn't but fit so, as well. Except Sony already knows how to make the games Ubisoft makes better yeah. than Ubisoft. Right. That was my point. Is so, that it's not a good fit. Yeah. It's not as good a fit as like Des- Bungie. As Bungie, Bungie fills a gap in their their crew basically. Yeah. Um, and like you know three you know three that, that amount of money is a lot and it's probably more than they should have paid. But given the situation and given that there's no one else really on the market that can do what Bungie does. It's probably just what it was worth at the time. Yeah. And it's either that or let Microsoft have it, and you don't want Microsoft to have that 
because then you have nothing in that regard. And Microsoft's got three top tier shooter companies in their stable. They've got they got them and they got three four three and they got the the uh, the coalition or whatever it was. Is that the is that right? The yeah. coalition mm-hmm. and the initiative, which is working on purpose. And the Dark. initiative, I forget about them. Yeah, um, they got a lot of shooters up there. Sony has nothing. Um, unless they want to like shift Insomniac or Gorilla back to that, and I don't think anybody thinks that's a good idea. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it, I think it's just filling a hole in their roster, frankly. And the price happened to go up because that's a high of, every, price cause of that. everything that's happened. I mean, but that happens in everything, you know. Like it's worth what it's worth. Where is this headed, Matt? Because when people were setting off the alarm bells after Microsoft acquired Activision Blizzard, I was like, no, no, no. There's still hundreds or you know at least dozens of big publishers left out there and yeah you know it's definitely still you know we're not headed towards a monopoly or antitrust issues no, or anything like that this is like not that. related to anything like that but it's, do you think this you is going to have a monopoly on ideas yeah but do you think this is going to keep happening i think to some degree like i don't know i yeah i don't think anyone's going to buy ubisoft or like ea I wish someone would buy. I wish someone would buy EA's vault. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you want to do me a favor? You know, major cor- buy buy EA's vault and bring back all the stuff that they've been sitting on for decades without using them. Where's my wing commander? Where's my Starflight? Where's my Desert Strike? Uh, I could go on and on and on and on about all the stuff EA has and doesn't do anything with. Uh, somebody buy Konami for the love of God! Like get that. That stuff seems away like a really smart them. purchase to me. Um, you know, you've got Metal Gear and Castlevania and Silent Hill sitting there. Those are all gold IP. Like I'm you a- could do something amazing with all of those. Um, the fact that you know the the low sale, the low reputation of several of those franchises is purely due to Konami's mishandling of them. For yeah, it's years not that fans have lost their reverence for them. No, it's not. It's not that they can't be great games. Right. It's that, like so, like Konami screwed around with Castlevania and Silent Hill for the entire 21st century and didn't know what they were doing. Um, any, oh, any, a Sony, a, a Microsoft, or even Nintendo could do something really incredible with the, with the, with the Konami IPs. Um, I think it's more likely that so, if Sony's going to make another big publisher purchase, they're going to move on Square. Um, Square would make the most sense there. I don't know if Square is interested in being sold. Yeah. Um, but if there's one like brand that feels like it would just nestle right into the Sony family, it would be Square because of how closely people identify mm-hmm. Final Fantasy and most of their output with PlayStation. Yeah, and it also um, has a bunch of Western studios. Yeah, too. it's got all the Tomb Raider stuff and all I mean yeah. that that's that would be a really solid buy. Just be very expensive. I mean I think that would probably be the best bang for the buck. Yeah. And again, I don't know. I, I do think that this bungee deal was a mistake. If it got all these games exclusively and they hadn't sort of made this handshake of like, no, we're going to keep putting our stuff out for other platforms, it would make more sense to me. But if you're going to put stuff out multi-platform, it's going to mm-hmm. take away sales from PlayStation. It's going to, And if you're talking about games as a service, that's a daily loss of money. If you don't have everybody playing that game on your platform, you're losing money every day from that. Because mm-hmm. when people bought paying for microtransactions and cosmetics and right. whatever but other I, crap, but it's a it's a you know here's this is the mindset shift that is going to have to happen that people like uh, Pactor and to some degree you don't seem to get is it's not about taking the hardware out of the equation. It's not about locking people into a certain uh, platform that you have to. It's about realizing that you cannot corral people on one platform anymore. And it's better to have experts on this on this genre and this successful thing on all platforms 
for even if it's just a PR move, even if you're losing some multi, some microtransaction revenue, which some of which is going to go to Bungie, which benefits you as the owner of Bungie, um, you just have to accept that that is not in the cards for for Sony. It might be in the cards for Nintendo. They have they they control things with a more of an iron fist, and I would imagine uh, going forward, frankly, if there's anyone that's going to buy Ubisoft, it's Nintendo. Hmm. Um, which I would mourn. Well, well Nintendo has so many holes. <laughs> well, well, I mean, <laughs> the, the, most li- the most likely big purchase for Nintendo would be Bandai Namco. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. But, like, they've flirted with that <laughs> multiple know, times. Well, they also co-developed stuff with Bandai Namco, and they have yeah. a great yeah, working a big, relationship. Yeah, but work, the working relationships for Nintendo are Bandai Namco and Ubisoft, and Namco feels like they would be pretty happy to not worry about their own financial in, in, independence any anymore at this point, outside of Tekken, maybe. Um, but what are you getting with Bandai Namco? You're, I mean, the, you, they make... You're getting more teams you don't have to set up yourself. Yeah. That's really it. Yeah, because really the IP it. can go away. They're right. just deals. And they've, they haven't, like, enhanced Nintendo's IP. party IP. Right, and they also haven't enhanced Nintendo's IP when they worked on them. You yeah, know? they haven't made their games better. No, in the fact, Star a lot Fox of them game wasn't canceled good. or they're trash. Yeah, and they yeah. had to restart Metroid Prime 4. But, like, uh-huh. if there's anything on the shopping block, it would be that. Um, and Ubisoft, just because they have the best relationship with them, like, you know, they've worked with them and let them handle handle Mario, for God's sake. That's, that's a vote of confidence right there. Does Nintendo need to do anything? I don't think they do. It really, no. to me, it doesn't seem like it needs to get involved Nintendo's in not interested in this. Like, yeah. it's the same thing with, like, you know, it's fun to speculate about it, but Nintendo doesn't, I don't think Nintendo wants to do that. I don't think Nintendo wants more teams to manage. Uh, they have enough trouble managing the ones they have and getting them to, to you know, have regular output. Uh, except for, except for uh, HAL. Laboratory, like those, you can't stop those guys. Like those. Yeah, guys. and that my question though. Forget to, no one can stop Mr. Domino. No one can stop the Kirby developers. To your point earlier about you, how you're saying Pactor and me to a certain extent need to get over this idea of you buy something and you keep it on your platform. Why buy Bungie then? Because, because you're going to get Bungie's games on your platform anyway. I'm going to say it for cut. a fifth time because you want experts on that genre in your stable. You want that expertise on your side. You want people that but know, they're, how to, but they're not on your side. They're on everyone's side. But they're on your side when it comes to internal discussions, internal teaching, internal work. Like they are still your. They're not going to go like. That's a lot of money to pay for something. I could probably tell them. You can't tell them exactly how to do it from a programming standpoint. You can't do it for them. You can't dig into the Destiny Two code and show them how they did this and how it works. I mean. Like, that is expertise you cannot find anywhere else in the industry right now. That, uh, that no, that's see, that's a weak argument, man. Like, no, it's not. It's actually the best possible reason to <laughs> buy something. There are tons of people making games as a service. That, not on the level of Destiny 2. Destiny's not that successful. It only doesn't matter. I'm not talking it only about generates 500 million of revenue a year. I'm not talking about successful. I'm talking about expertise, long-term work. Solid I work. I get that, smooth, Matt. Like, There's hundreds of people who have the same expertise. You no, know how to make do, a game as a service that works with microtransactions and cosmetics and all that stuff. But not successfully in terms of the slick package. Not in terms of also balancing it with gameplay that is unmatched in that genre. It is. I'll disagree with you on that one. Well, someone spent $3.8 billion because I'm right. So we'll see if it pays off for them because the problem how, is How not, do you know you're right? This deal hasn't even signed yet. Because that's what they're after. The, they, that's I get why they're that. buying. They, wrote, they said it. They wrote it. They quoted right. it. I get that. That the doesn't only mean it's X, true. The only X factor here is whether they can come up with something, you know, a, another IP that isn't Destiny. Their, their subsequent projects are they going to also be successful? Are you going to avoid another anthem? But like, in terms of what they're going to get internally, 
like um like to me I don't know what Vincent's saying there. Two I mean, look, six, I've played 2.6 million it was billion. It was billion. billion. Yeah. Billion. I don't know what he's talking about. Um I'm gassy. Nolan Elric. <laughs> I mean, there's an element of desperation here, but if they have the money to the money to spend on it and that's what they want, there's no other there's no other other better purchase if that's what they're after. That's the thing. I just I've played so many games as a service in the lot since Destiny 2 came out and like I agree. The shooting feels great in Destiny 2. Go find a... So hire the gameplay programmer from freaking Bungie. Throw money at him. Like, it's... You don't spend $3.8 billion for that. Because no one person did that. That's the whole point. Like... But you can get the information from one person. It's not about necessarily just the information. It's about the process. It's about having them involved. It's having them consulting. Like, there is is an advantage to having those people... It's way too much money to pay for that. It just is. Apparently, Sony disagrees. I don't. Sony's desperate, though, right now. Let's be honest. It's about knowledge. It's not about value. It's you about know? both. It will be eventually. Maybe. But, but <laughs> having having that expertise, being able to have input on all their other projects internally, the things they do get to keep on their platform, is going to be worth something to them. That's part of what this. I is. mean, Sony as a first party doesn't make any shooters, so not yet. I mean, who who do you get to do that? Bend? Get Gorilla back on it again? I don't think they're going to do that. I doubt it. Like, I don't think they're going to put Gorilla on it, but I th- you, you have other <laughs> studios that are not doing uh, anything of note right now, like Sony Bend. Yeah. And, like, you can go around, and, you know, you can even start a new <laughs> Dude, studio. Putting Sony Bend on an FPS would be a huge mistake. You don't huge. know that. If, if they've got if they got Bungie advising them, they might get somewhere. But yeah. Bend is not untalented. They just didn't yeah. quite know what they were making when it came to They've just never made a shooter. Like, ever. No, no, neither at Bungie until they did. Yeah. I don't know. I think this is a bad purchase. And I... I don't think it so. It would make more sense to me if, in fact, whatever they're going to build or whatever's coming I next think, from them... I think it's a bad price. Um, but I don't think there was a way to avoid that price right now without risking Microsoft snapping them up. Because Microsoft could spend that money and not even notice it on the books. It can keep doing that, uh, though. Yeah, of course it can. Like, forever. Of course it can. I mean, So it's like, it feels like it's a slippery slope that... PlayStation finally decided to step on, and to me now it's going like this. Like, no, no, this I is, don't this know, is, man. This is a this is a one moment. They decided they wanted this so bad they were going to spend that kind of money on it. Hmm. And uh, Sony, Sony can be impenetrable at times, but if there's one thing that we should have learned over the last several years is that every time Sony does stuff and you think they're crazy, they're not. Yeah, like how crazy do you think they were when they skipped E3 when they started all that worked just fine. They, yeah. they know what they're doing. It's funny though, you know. We, but but I think they got caught flat-footed on this because I don't think they expected or wanted to pay that much money for Bungie. But the but what Microsoft has been doing over the last couple of years created that demand for them. And Bungie, I think Bungie was able to go with no evidence. But I think Bungie was able to go to them and be like, "We want this much, and like, we want it to be multi-platform. We want to do, yeah, we want all these things, and like otherwise you don't get us. And they're going to probably because clearly Bungie was wanting to sell." Right, because other mm-hmm. people, because the rumor is that Microsoft's looking at them, other people are looking well, at them. Bungie's line is that it chose Sony or PlayStation because it felt like it was the company that could slide it into the cultural stuff like TV mm-hmm. and film. I bet that's true. I, I agree with that. I think that yeah. probably does make and sense. And I bet it also it's meant than being bought by Netflix. I bet they also weren't <laughs> going to be able to do that. Give us complete independence thing with Microsoft. Yeah. Because Microsoft would be like, no, you just joined the blob like mm-hmm. everybody else. Like, why would we give you special treatment? Yeah. Hell, you, we used to own you before. Right. Like, we you, already did like, that. We already had. Yeah. This. We already had this discussion. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's an unfortunate price 
but I think the market caused, you know, it's like, yeah. I'm sorry that gas costs $7, but you got to drive to work. You know, yeah. like it's kind yeah. of that thing. Yep. Um, so let's take a look at chat and see what chat's saying. What do you guys think about all this? It's crazy. This is like t two weeks in a row. We just had a total like megaton announcement in the games industry. Um, Pot F2. Didn't Sony Ben make siphon filter? It did, but it was a third person. It was person a different, shooter. yeah, it was a different, uh, yeah. I mean, technically, also, siphon filter's terrible. It is. So, I mean, also, technically, Days Gone is a shooter. Yeah, it it's is. It's a I mean, third person. I mean, look, shooter. you're not wrong that difference. if that if Sony Ben made a, a game as a service shooter and it was good, it would be the first good shooter Sony Ben's ever made. Like, you're, you're not wrong there, but having some Destiny people there to, to advise from the beginning will make it would make a difference, yeah. One X Solo, what Sony published and own multiplayer game are are people playing today? None. Yeah, there aren't really any. I mean, there will be when Gran Turismo comes out, but that's not really the same thing. Yeah. Um, think of it as music. You just this is from Sneaky. Think of it as music. You can't take a singer; the whole band make the music. Okay. Um, Nolan Elbrick, three point eight billion for a couple programmers. I mean, that's kind of what your point was, right? No, uh, couple, unless you by couple you mean like dozens and like a synergy of team that can't be matched and a, a cleanliness to presentation and, uh, as I understand it, back-end stuff that is unmatched in the game-as-a-service realm, according to some of the devs I know. Like, Bungie, do, Bungie runs that ship real tight, and they know how it works, and they figured it out on the fly. Like, they are... Uh, there is probably no... If I had to build a game-as-a-service, I probably would want no one else above them advising me on what to do from day one except maybe the guys who rebuilt final fantasy 14 from the ground up i think blizzard's pretty good at it blizzard is good at it from their version of it um, i mean they do overwatch they do diablo they, they do world, they of, War, world of warcraft well, diablo the, the industry's longest game as a service world of warcraft yeah uh, but world of warcraft also is subscription model on a level that just doesn't really work the same way yeah like, it's hard to compare that to what bungie does well they get what, a lot off the top no matter what they do. But, Next uh, level, shh, I like that name too. Matt is right in that Bungie has the best insights into making successful multiplayer games, but Shane is right that it's not worth it to buy the studio just for information. Yeah, well, I don't think they're just buying it for information, but I think that is one of the that is one of the ways that, that so, the people who made that decision at Sony are going to justify uh, themselves when they go to sleep at night. Um, you get a lot from, from Bungie, obviously. Like, you, know, you get a lot of input, you get a lot of uh, inside information, you get a lot of... Uh, you know, you're going to get some kind of advantage on... Um, oh, Vincent's saying it's not 3.8, it's 3.6 billion. Oh, well, that... Uh, well, so we, we're bargain. Off. No that problem. technically is 200 million, so... That's what they paid to buy Insomniac. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, how so, much... Somewhere Ted Price is just like, what the hell? Like, I could have... should have held out for a bill. Dude, I was thinking that today when I was in the shower. I'm like, Ted Price must be so mad at this point. Because <laughs> seriously. Yeah. Like, they sold way too low. They did. They could have got so much more money. What was it? $274 million? Something like that. Man. Think about everything that Insomniac makes. And they yeah. were sold for like one. I hope he got thirtieth. I, I hope they what, got some kind of, of good Bungie cut sold on Spider-Man and all that because they they're move they're moving PlayStations with those games. I know, man. I feel bad for him. Like I don't feel he's, bad I mean, for him because Ted Price is worth a yeah. hundred million dollars yeah. or whatever. But the trickle down for the other founders of Insomniac, those are the people I <laughs> like feel Ted bad Price for. Ted Price is like, oh, I could have had another yacht. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think Ted Price yeah, has yeah. a yacht. I mean, don't feel sorry for people who are worth a hundred million dollars, no. but. But it, it was a bad deal. But it, it, but there's got to be, I don't know, 
in your in your most private breakfast coffee moment <laughs> when you see that news on on your phone you it's got to be like no, the tear runs out of the eye, drips off the nose into the coffee. Yeah. Plink. I know nobody reads newspapers anymore, but I just pictured Ted Price putting the newspaper down like <laughs> What did I just What do we do? What do we do? They literally sold just like a year two. Like early. no newspapers anymore and also what newspaper would have that news in it? Yeah. <laughs> like would you rather have Bungie or Insomniac? Um and take depend- your personal preference out of it that you like Spider-Man and blah blah blah. But um, just from a business perspective, would you rather own Insomniac or Bungie? Um, I, I would rather own uh, Insomniac because I think they're more versatile. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. And they their output's better. They have more IP. Yeah. I mean, there's no, nothing saying that Bungie can't have more IP. <laughs> like, they've just had to focus on Destiny because yeah. they're, as an independent company, you can't really spread yourself that thin. Um, they're gonna uh, Bungie's gonna have the opportunity to. I mean, they, they kind of hint at it in that statement. They're gonna have the opportunity to do a lot more now with Sony's backing, mm-hmm. um, and they're gonna have a lot opportunity to do a lot more without interference because that was one of their big complaints about Activision. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen Sony is better, but even when you don't have this kind of deal in place, Sony's better about letting you do what you think you need to do and on your own than, you know, for God's sake, they let Days Gone happen. So yeah, <laughs> what are you gonna do? Um, it's probably. I mean, it's a great, great deal for Bungie. Like everybody, Bungie's got to yeah. be thrilled. <laughs> Heck yeah! That's even if you're not more. getting paid out. How much would you have paid for Bungie? I mean, if you came to me and said, "How much is Bungie going to sell for?" I would think it would be more in like the 500 million range. Mm-hmm. I would say like a billion max. Yeah, if you're real. Although, again, I wouldn't go to a billion for them if unless it was exclusive to me. But you can't because typically when you buy a company, it's seven times annual revenue. Mm-hmm. So right now. Word on the street is that Bungie makes five hundred million a year on Destiny Two, so you multiply that by seven. Three point five. Yep. Yeah, that's about right, man. <laughs> it's nuts. But you're also assuming that that money is going to keep rolling in, and as Destiny Two ages, I mean, I haven't played Destiny Two, and I don't know how long, Matt. How long has it been since you played it? I can't remember. Twenty twenty, I think, was the last time Probably. I played Destiny Two. I mean, I didn't play. Uh... I didn't play the Queen, the thing, Witch Queen, the Witch Queen. I think that just coming out or just coming out like this and then month. The, I didn't play the one before it. I don't remember, remember what it was. Remember they did like a revamp or something, and again, yeah. They, they but also that. the names of their stuff—it's very hard to remember. Every, like, what everything they're... in Destiny is definite <laughs> article, capitalized noun. Like it's just like it's like the tower, yeah. the darkness, the ch- you know. It's like okay, yeah. I get it. Like, what do you think Sony's going to do next? Do you think it's going to buy Square Enix? Um, I mean that would be. Uh, that would be my expectation if, if they're going to do move. something else. I mean, I think the next things would probably be smaller things, like mm-hmm. little, little dev, more you know, like house marks type stuff. Yeah, like more like a house mark thing. More, you know, more like how like when you know Microsoft's first move was to buy up like Ninja, Obsidian Ninja or... Theory and Obsidian and things mm-hmm. like that. I don't expect them to go for one of the big guys, but like. Yeah, if, if, that you know, escalated quickly, by the way, for Microsoft. Yeah, it did. It did right up. And all of a sudden, Bethesda. Quick old ramp right up. And they were like, Bethesda. Oh, Bethesda is about as big as you get there, uh, I guess. Right? It's like you know, yeah. somebody singing about Gary, Indiana. All of a sudden, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh no, 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 we're gonna buy this. I mean, when, although it's weird because when you think about it, Activision isn't really that much of a monolith outside of like uh-uh. they make a really big important game, mm-hmm. but that's the only thing they make. You that's know, it's like. A- Smashing success year in and year out, right? Yeah, or that they even bother. You know, same with EA. it's like EA. It's like EA barely shits out two games a year. Yeah, and this past year they don't even work right. Yeah, you know, like 
Yeah, Madden was trash Madden this was, year. Yeah, I and, thought it was. And the uh, lot that you know from the sales, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and FIFA didn't get wonderful reviews, and mm-hmm. Battlefield 2042 didn't even work right. Right. So still, yeah. You know, the only th- if imagine if EA didn't have respawn. Yeah. Well, they'd be in deep crap. They just, just have those things. I and, mean, Respawn now pretty much is EA. Yeah, and you have Bioware <laughs> sort of making this nebulous Dragon Age sequel somewhere, maybe in the next two or three years. But, like, what yeah. what are they doing? What it, What's just, just riding on the mobile Chasing games, mobile. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Like, a lot of publishers chasing mobile. It's easy money, man. And either you're doing it and you're successful or you're not doing it and you're going to get fired. Yeah. That's pretty much how it works right now. So, yeah, I'd expect like you know stuff like Housemark, maybe some other like you know indie stuff that they think they can you know spin into something like Double A more. Mm-hmm. Maybe the the Kina mm. devs. Yeah. Um, but I think keep your you know keep corner your eye, keep your eye on uh, Square and Capcom. Mm-hmm. Capcom, that would be a that would be a good purchase too. I expect somebody to buy Capcom in the next two years. Hmm. I'm not sure who, but Sony would make sense. It would. Capcom I bet, the, I would bet they wouldn't it, be three point six billion. You don't think Capcom would go for that much? I don't think so. I do. Billions, but I don't know if they'd go as much as that. I oh, mean, that's some big IP there. Street Fighter, Resident Evil. Yeah, but that's all. Except for Resident Evil, it's all in the downswing. Yeah, but all it takes is one game to change that. Yeah, the, the reason I think Sony would buy Capcom is I think they would want Capcom's IP for use in their uh, so, uh, their uh, Sony video game movie movie wrist mill. That could like that be is an angle for sure. Like you, you know, like look, I know none of them have been bad, um, or none of them have been great. But like, you could make a great Resident Evil movie. You could make a great Street Fighter movie. No, there's no reason there, why there isn't a great Resident. There Evil There have movie. been great ones. <laughs> yeah. You could make a great Dino Crisis movie. Uh-huh. It's just Jurassic Park. Except with like the serial number filed off, like yeah. who wouldn't want their own Jurassic Park movie, you know, franchise like that? Um, apparently, Capcom because they won't make another freaking Dino Crisis game. Yeah, um, you can put the jetpacks in it if you have to. I don't care. <laughs> you know, like, um, there's tons of stuff you could do with that. Yeah. You could do a great CG Mega Man movie. Like there, there's 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 fertile IP for what Sony wants to do moving forward, especially if Uncharted doesn't bomb. Uncharted, How do you feel though? If Uncharted all these... is going to bomb. <laughs> um, How do you feel though about the consolidation angle of all this? That we're already talking about Capcom or Square Enix being purchased, and mm. just almost like assuming that it's just going to happen. I mean, it's just sort of the nature of the beast. Like, partly it's the nature of capitalism, but also it's like you know, it's like, you know, places like Square and Capcom, like they're starting to look kind of big and creaky and like mm-hmm. held up by you know floorboards propped up against the scaffolding kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you've got these younger, you know, more more vital companies that I think are kind of going to kind of grow up and fill the void and eventually become their own giant tilting scaffolding held creaky yeah. giants. Um, that's just sort of how it works, and the options for companies when they get to that point, uh, the way like you're starting to see Capcom get to, um, I think the way you already saw Activision get to in terms mm-hmm. of at least creativity and ability to sustain, and you're definitely looking at some of the stuff in that realm over on EA, um, your options are to collapse or be acquired. And it's not an issue of like monopoly. You know, people are like, oh, monopoly. There is no monopoly law. You know, I know that the Activision thing is being reviewed by the FTC. It's a formality. Like there, you yeah. can't. You, a, a monopoly would require one of them to basically buy one of the other hardware manufacturers. Like they would. Ha- they would have to. Or both of them. Yeah. <laughs> They would, yeah, that's a five. They're no big three anymore. It's, it's easiest to explain sort of with the, like why Disney was able to buy Fox mm-hmm. is like they they're gonna they, you know they now own a lot of IP, a lot of important ideas, a lot mm-hmm. of important stories, but that doesn't matter. Like they don't own the ability to make films. 
Yeah. You don't have to go to Disney to make a movie. Yeah, you, you don't, don't have, have to go, go and buy, buy film buy from film Disney or to yeah. like rent. They don't yeah. own all the cameras. Pe- people don't you know? really understand what a monopoly yeah. is. Like that's so. not what that. You can't have a monopoly on good ideas. Yeah, because the because you can always just say come up with your own. Yeah, uh, and that's it. And it can be it can be have a very hard time paying to make that idea a reality. But that is not yeah. the same. You'd thing have as to funnel all production through Disney before it would be right. A monopoly. Just yeah. like, you know, like Microsoft owning Activision is not a monopoly because everyone else can make everyone else can make a military shooter anytime they want. They just can't. Yeah. They can't make one as good as can't. Call of Duty. Or in the case of Battlefield, apparently they just can't make one at all. Right. <laughs> I would, I yeah. don't, man, I don't, I would love to see a no clip documentary about what the hell happened with that game, that game. Like the making of 20, 2042 would be a, I would, I would pay theater ticket prices to see a documentary about that. that I don't know what the hell happened there. Have you ever seen a no-clip documentary that was salacious, though? Where no. They, but they're always, like... They're always very they're positive, always part, and they're like, usually about success stories. Yeah. Maybe in that Achilles' final hours are always pretty positive, too. I need I need a I, I, real documentary. I need a real documentary. I need I need someone to do that with that. I need someone to do that with uh, Cloud Imperium because the Star Citizen oh, story. Yeah. <laughs> I need like some kind of guerrilla documentary documentarian to like get a job at Star Citizen and like film everything with a hidden camera. There might be a, eventually a feature length film made about that. Yeah, instead like I, of just some little oh, yeah. YouTube I, documentary. Like. Oh, that would be like that would be a great Aaron Sorkin film. <laughs> like I'd love to see like the Social Network, but for yeah. like Star Citizen. Yeah. Biggest video game scam ever. Citizen Roberts. <laughs> okay, we got to move on. We just talked about that for almost an hour. Yeah, well, so that's, it's a big story. It's, I mean, it does go beyond just that story. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, I could keep talking about it. I have like five other points I want to get to, but I'm mm-hmm. we're, we'll be losing audience off of our stream, I think, if we go any longer on this. So uh, we may touch back on this. A little bit down the road. I mean, we I more think clarity, inevitably but... more acquisitions will happen in some form, and it'll come up over the course of the whole. I mean, it's only, it's it's February first. It's insane what's happened already. It's been a it's been a hell of a year for the game industry. <laughs> and there's like awesome games coming out. Yeah. At the same time, which we're going to talk about one right now. Well, maybe I shouldn't call it awesome just yet. Um, <gasps> I am really torn on this game, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, Pokemon Legends Arceus. It is, I believe. And I hope the way Pokemon games are going to be designed from here on out. Mm -hmm. I would really struggle to go back and play an old Pokemon game after playing this. What say you, Matt? Um, I would agree with that. You would? Uh, Even though there are times I feel like I should be playing this with a wave bird. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Pokemon should have been this 15 years ago. (laughs) But better late than never. And I am enjoying... That said... I'm like 15 hours in. And I'm getting done. I'm, I'm, I'm. I can see the strings now, and like it's just one big grind. Now, do you think that that would have been the case if it was designed like the old games, or do you think it's because of the way, uh, because of the changes that have been? made? I think it's just the nature of Pokemon. Yeah. Like you are at some point. At some point, you have to kind of deal with the fact that the core of Pokemon is building that Pokedex. Yeah. And the way they adapted this into a more action RPG style is to make every single Pokemon a grind. Yeah. And uh, it's not that hard. You know, you can get, you, I've gotten, you know, level 10 research on a bunch of them by accident. On accident, yeah. But, like, that's still what it is. And, like, the only reprieve is, like, the incredibly insipid story. So, like, 
I don't know. I mean, this game is I, gigantic. By I, the way, I like Matt. it. Like, I like it. I, I, I've been, I've enjoyed it. I love that I don't have to fight something to hit it with a pokeball and see if I can catch it. Yeah. Like, I, like it's, it does a lot of things. I've been annoyed about the main series for doing for a long time, for not doing for a long time. Um, it feels like a real place. I, I like, I love seeing the Pokemon running around in the world. Like they're wild. Like yeah. they're wild. Uh, like you know, I, I, I think the setting where people don't really know everything about Pokemon yet is actually a smart move. Like this is an origin story, yeah. basically. Like you get, you, ba- I guess you're a modern kid in the Pokemon world who gets sucked back in time by Arceus. Yeah, you fall through a portal. You fall out of the sky into the Hisui Hisui region, Hisui, yeah. which eventually will become, become the Sinnoh, Sinnoh region. Yeah, you're, you're basically it's Diamond and Pearl. Yeah, um, there's actually the town that you is your home base in this is in yeah. Diamond and Pearl. Yeah, and then the your 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 there's like rival Diamond and Pearl clans. Yeah. that are like in the <laughs> in the vicinity that you help out. They're but, like cults now. It's 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 in it's like, and I love like they try to do kind of like origins and like more information on like what Pokemon were before people sort of like learned to get along with them and or enslave them. However you want to phrase that. Because um, like like you, the Pokeball has just been invented, yeah. Basically, and they're like amazed that you know how to use one. Yeah, <laughs> like you caught three Pokemon in one day. No one's ever done that before. It's like okay, yeah. Um, and I love that like they are made out of apricorns, right? Like, like I'm like oh they're not white. They're like red and like and like brown. They're brown because they're literally like a hollow apple. Yeah, like, yeah. They, <laughs> and they do. They like, they finally explain in this game how the Pokemon get yeah, into the which balls. Is a big controversy right now because no one realizes. <laughs> Like, I guess there's a chunk of the fandom that assumed that the reason Pokemon shrink and go into the balls because the ball does something to make them shrink. Right. Pokemon can just shrink. Yeah. That's it's all just an ability that they have. Yeah. That's how they hide in tall grass. Right. And it's why they're called pocket monsters. monsters. Yeah, exactly. They can all shrink. That's the yeah. whole thing. Like, <laughs> I didn't know that was controversial. Like, Because when a lot of times, especially after, like, the first couple of gens when they animated them more yeah. in 3D, they shrink when they faint. Right. Like that's a that's a thing, yeah, it's a clue. and, they, and yeah. they pop up when they come they out do, of the yeah. grass. Like that's that's, yeah. that's a bit implied for like twenty years. Time, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, Fans can be crazy. <laughs> I mean, if you're a fan of something, so you get something in your head, it kind of you know. Yeah, like, it's hard to get it out. You should have seen. People don't remember this because a lot of the people that argue about these things on the internet are too young to, to have been around at the time. Uh, but like, people don't realize that like, Darth was not a Sith title until Episode One, right? And the fact, the idea that all Sith lords are named Darth something was new to Episode One, and everyone's like, "What?" Like, mm-hmm. we could, and then on beyond Before that, we only knew Darth Vader, right? Because yeah. and, and the way Obi Wan treats him, it sounds like Darth is his first name, right? Doesn't yeah. sound like a title, yeah. And then um, Episode Two, believe it or not, Episode Two is the first time it was established that bad guys use red sabers and good guys use green and blue. Yeah. And in the comics before that, everyone used every color saber, yellow ones and orange ones. And, yeah. like, and every, like, you know, Jedi Council guys had red ones. And as soon as that was established in two, all of a sudden, everybody went to, like, <laughs> all, everyone's saber just changed overnight. Right. Like, the next issue, everyone was just, yeah. and, like, people, and, like, now the idea that, like, red isn't automatically the evil, especially because in the original trilogy, Vader was using a red saber the whole time. He's the only one who had a red saber. Mar- yeah. Maul had a red saber. You're like, okay, yeah. But, like. It was never established before that. Yeah. And like it's this kind of thing where like if you have it if you love something and you have don't like if you have it in your head this one way and then the, the, the series goes like, Oh, actually it's like this, maybe you never noticed before, you're like I, oh. I guess <laughs> but now I gotta rearrange a bunch of stuff and I don't like that. Yeah, you know? yeah. So like Pokemon fans are hitting that right now. Matt, what is the plot in this game? I can't what is the goal? Is the goal to go back through the rift and return home? Oh, like, like 
They're, they never established no, as like your a goal. Your goal is to fill a Pokedex up. Yeah. Like, just like, a, like the idea that you want to maybe go home at some point is like completely they never bring genocide. It up. It's never like you're, you have no wants or needs of your own beyond catching every Pokemon you see uh, with a with a with a beanball to the back of the head. <laughs> um, but seriously, there's no goal no. in this game. I mean, it's implied that Arceus has something for you to do because you have his magic phone and you're sort right. of like on a mission from God, I guess. But like. That that's in the opening cutscene and it has not come up again. No, and I am played 15, this 15 a lot. some hours. Yeah, it's like um, I'm on the third area, and as far as I can tell, I'm, I mean, this might as well be Pokemon Snap for all the motivation I have to keep doing what I'm doing. I only have five of the ten stars, and I've played thirty some hours I'm at, at this point. Uh, I have four. Yeah, so I'm like halfway to like halfway to five. Dude, no, this the, game is gigantic. The the, gr- the grind on the stars gets up there because because also you get you get bonuses for doing different things and filling up Pokedex. So, so it really eventually becomes necessary to go out and do a bunch of stuff. Yeah, and then come back and turn it in to for the maximum bonus. Um, yeah, instead of just doing it like, oh, I caught one Pokemon, yeah, go back and turn really it get, in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it does pay to like. Bank even when all I that finish stuff. like uh, major story stuff, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna stay out here and like do a bunch of more random shit before I go back and yeah. talk to the guy because like you get bonuses. Because you get for bonus it. stuff for it, and that's what matters because that's what builds your level so that you get your new star commendation, mm-hmm. which then will unlock a brand new area of more the map. Area. Well, uh, and then get um, lets you control higher level Pokemon, right? Because eventually your Pokemon is going to start out leveling you. Yeah, that uh, hasn't happened to me though. No, yeah. not fully. I, early on, it it almost did, but then I got yeah. the second star because early on I didn't realize you had to turn it in. I didn't, I didn't realize you didn't automatically. And your first turn in must have been amazing. <laughs> no, I was only I, was, I got my second star because uh, oh, okay. the first star is story driven. Right. And then I was like, I got Max on the thing. Where's my second star? And I think the professor says something like, Oh, you should go talk to yeah the hard ass. You start chick. at the base camp. They'll yeah. tell you. Yeah. And so I did. And, I, and I, but I was already like when I got the second star, I was already halfway to thir- three. So because oh. I'd been grinding for yeah. a while on that. <laughs> wow. Um, but like uh, yeah, and uh, the other thing I have to like. Um, and part of this is because the crafting system lets you make potions and healing stuff out in the field like pretty yeah. easily. Uh, it's hard at times. Like, it is like, hard. The, the move, like tackle, can like take half the life off off your guy. My Pokemon like, die all the time yeah, from constantly. one hit. From yeah. one hit. Yeah. The first boss, like I was leveled properly for the air. I, I thought I was like it one shotted my starter. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if I can do. I pulled it off, but I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it. Like I'm used to starters being basically like gods. And, well, the other thing about this is that my starter is no more powerful than the no. rest of my party. No. Usually not much my of a starter bonus. is ten levels higher than everyone else in my party. No. It's the same level as everyone else. Yeah. And then like, if you want the real shit, you gotta you gotta. Uh, capture the alphas. Right. And like, they're hard, man. They're hard. I yeah. haven't captured one yet. Have you? Yeah, I've got two. How did you catch one? I brought his life down to red and threw a bunch of Pokeballs so they got caught. Dude, I've had the alphas like one of, at one pixel before and thrown four balls at them and they just keep breaking out. Nah, I've used I, the great balls. I've used nah, everything. You just got to get lucky. I guess. I got, uh, I have an alpha Bidoof, or not a Bidoof, the leveled up Bidoof, you know, the, mm-hmm. the evolve, whatever the second evolution of Bidoof is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have an alpha um, Rapidash. Okay, I have none. Um, I've killed. Not I've. Ended up, oh, and I have an alpha. I end up um, killing them. Um, uh, the crab Paris. No, yeah, well, not, not Paris. Like the evolved version of. Paris. I think actually there's an alpha fight in this B-roll here coming up in a second where I fight him a champ or. Yeah, a chomp. I just I used to one of them the um the pony the the rapidash I came real close to losing because like basically 
you know, when you throw the Pokeball and they get out, they get a turn, right? Yeah. And he was just one-shotting all my Pokemon. And I was like, okay, you're dead. Bring the next one out, throw another Pokeball, and hope that I don't... I, I hope that I capture, capture him before I run out of Pokemon, basically. Here you're seeing something in the B-roll that also is a huge departure from Pokemon. While you're fighting one Pokemon, the other Pokemon that are re- walking around can just join yeah, in. Yeah, they can join. Like, the, the battles can really All of a sudden, you're, it's two-on-one instead of one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of it is like getting away from other Pokemon, making sure you're isolated because yeah, the fights... Al- is an alpha. Yeah. yeah. And so I, this is an example of it. I get him down to one pixel and can't catch him. And eventually he just dies because he had a burn and mm-hmm. the burn him ended up killing him. Like this happened to me all the time with the alphas. We picked the same starter. Oh, we did? Yeah, I picked Cyndaquil. Yeah. I like fire-type Pokemon for whatever reason. I usually go with uh, water, but I just think Cyndaquil is one of the cutest Pokemon in the history of the <laughs> franchise. A, so a I weird just, design with the fire coming out of its head and its ass. Yeah. And I didn't – I when I played uh, – I think I, I picked uh, the Otter when I played the actual remake. Uh, so I was like, I'll, I'll, go with, I'll go with Cyndaquil. The B-roll showing something else, too, that's new to the series. So – um, once you have mastered moves for your Pokemon, you then have the ability to choose to either you do it with an agile attack or a stronger attack. And it does take more of your magic points. Like if a move normally takes one, if you do mm. like the agile or the power, it'll take two instead. Um, but you basically, when you're selecting your move, you just tap right or left shoulder button and it'll either go agile. If you tap left, it'll go power. If you go right and it, increases the damage of your attacks mm-hmm. a ton. Basically lets you do the, the, the agile lets you do the attack twice. Yep. And the with strong, lower damage. Yeah. And the strong lets you just one super powerful supercharge the damage for one yeah. hit. Um and their strategy involves using in that the power too. using the power uh style save me in the boss fights. Mm. Like yeah. you, you have to use those. Oh there's no way you could beat most of them if yeah. you can't although the boss fights, Matt, what I've discovered is you notice how they tell you See, you can see he has, like, one pixel mm-hmm. left. I'll throw a ball. It won't catch him. It sucks. <laughs> I could never catch one. I don't know why. I just never could. I mean, usually to catch it one. took me, like, four or five tries on all of them. Yeah. Like you just, and not, you're at a disadvantage because he was he had a, 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 a DOT. And they'll um, one-shot your whole party. Oh, yeah. yeah. One shot. One after another. Unless you get someone who happens to be resistant. And, like, there's no way to know that until they attack you. Yeah, exactly. Especially the bosses. Like, I mean, yeah. I know what a Machoke can do, but I don't yeah. know... Uh, I don't know what, like, the, these noble Pokemon are. You know, like, those are all new to me. But what I've discovered about the boss fights, Matt, is they tell you, like, use these, what is what is the basket full the of bombs? bombs. Yeah. Throw the bombs at them and then attack them with your Pokemon? Don't do that. Just, Just keep, keep throwing, keep throwing bombs. the bombs. Yeah. And it's easy. I've beaten every boss first try. I just play it like a first-person shooter. And I just keep throwing bombs at them. Like, they give you the, the dodge or whatever. Like, compared to a normal first-person shooter, it's so easy to dodge the Pokemon's attacks. So mm-hmm. I just never even attack oh, yeah, them with Pokemon. Your invincibility window for the dodge is, it's, like, endless. <laughs> it's just in, it's almost a whole dodge. It really is, yeah. Like, I was, like, early on, I was just like, oh, I'm going all Dark Souls with this. And then and during the boss, I'm like, oh, as long as I've hit the button, yeah. um, I can really, literally dive through them. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't even use my Pokemon at all in the boss battles. I just use my character. And that's another thing that's changed. Your character can now, quote, unquote, die. Right. And you can leave behind a parcel that you have to go back and pick up or pick up other people. Other people can pick it up. And then there's like a network interface in the game where you can go and snag it from where people found it out in the wild and picked it up for you. And you can pick up for other people and then they can pick it up through the network interface. 
Um, I did get some free stuff through the network interface. Like I got a new outfit mm-hmm. and something else, I think. Well, some of that is from uh, if you have saves from the other games. Oh, really? So I got I got an outfit outfits for having saves for uh, Sword and Shield, uh, Let's Go, and uh, the Diamond and Pearl remake. I didn't get those. You got to talk to the woman who sells attire. Oh, in the, in the in the village. I never have. She'll I've give, never talked to her. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to her, but I've never bought anything. Yeah, she'll give you talk to her after like the quest stuff with her is done. She will she will say, "Oh, I have a special pack, special delivery with your name on it, and you get packages oh, for everything you have saves for." And now you're seeing another new feature, mounts, um, which they introduced just in time. <laughs> they do when you're starting to get sick of having yeah. to run um, across the maps. Um, I have one, two, three so far. I have two that are land, and I have one that's sea. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I assume there's air. Eventually I'm guessing, because, yeah. But I haven't, I haven't got that far. There's definitely places I can't get to. Yeah, but I haven't got that far yet. Um, but you need obviously the sea one to get out to that yeah. volcano, and that's yeah, because you can't swim. I've the yeah. only time I've died <laughs> is finding out that I can't swim. Yeah, it's like oh, I guess I can't. Hmm. But right. Matt, is there any going back now? I, I cannot hope not. imagine playing Pokemon in a different way. Well, here's the, the I guess the problem with going back or having whether you go back or not is like, can you make a mainline game do this until maybe next gen? You know what I mean? Because this game runs like shit. Like I don't it is find so the held frame back. rate that terrible. It's not just the frame rate though; it's the pop in, it's oh, the yeah. fade in. It's, it's not the, a. It's, it's ugly. It doesn't it's bother me as much game. as I thought it was going to. Because I don't think the other Pokemon games look that good. No, but I, I mean, art style, I think it's fine. But I th- just the technical issues bother me more because I'm not in a turn-based sort of RPG world. I'm running mm-hmm. around through this environment. I'm constantly, every well, time I turn the, the camera, the trees every time I turn the camera, I'm reminded, like, oh, right, this is running on hardware older than, like, almost as old as Anything. my fucking Vita. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just... Oh, another change. You can choose when to evolve your yeah, Pokemon yeah, now. evolution's under your control. They, they've nice. changed so much. And, Matt, I think all of it is for the better. Yeah, everything. I, don't, I, don't, I can't think of a change. Is there any change that you don't like? No, me either. No, um, I mean, I wish I, I wish the satchel held more. I've, yeah. I've upgraded as far as it'll and it go. It gets expensive and, to expand yeah. that thing, man. But uh, if you're gonna make me run around and like farm everything out there, you should just let me hold more stuff. Yeah, like, agreed. Okay. Um, and I have it maxed it out. It's it's upgraded as far as it'll go. Because um, there's not really anything nothing else, else to spend, spend your money, your money on. on. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's fine. I don't know. You, you, when you craft it at like uh, camps, you can you access anything that's in your chest, your your storage. So yep. it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. The only yeah. thing that your your satchel is for is crafting on the fly and picking stuff up in the field. Yeah. Um. So it's more. It's more or less fine. Um. But I mean, I I do really like what they're going for. I just it's just constantly a re- there's constantly a reminder there for me that's like this is running on incredibly underpowered hardware, and. You know, just like everything Nintendo makes, it's just that constant things like, God, I wish this was on a PS5. Yeah. Or something that, like, ran. Could, I mean, look, uh, don't get I'm me gonna wrong. Think, I'm going to think that when Breath of the Wild 2 comes out, too. So yeah. fucking get ready. Like, don't I'm, get me wrong. I'm not saying it's tech. It's not technically incompetent. It yeah. is. I'm not blaming the game for that, to be clear. It's not It's not Pokemon Company's fault that Nintendo, you know, uses three-gen old hi- hardware. Um, but there are much better-looking games on Switch as well. Yeah. Like, they have not maximized the hardware, like, at all, I don't think. They could have got... The game could look a lot better on Switch. Yeah, but I mean that's kind of been the ongoing thing with all the Pokemon stuff. Yeah, it's like why does it, you know, why does it run this poorly when it looks like this? When you could, you know, 
because uh, Breath of the Wild is going to look way better than this, and it's probably going to run at least as well, mm-hmm. right? Although Breath of the Wild, too, man, it ran like crap a lot of the time. It did. It had problems, but it ran better than this most of the time. Yeah. Um, part of that was because the art style, sort of the watercolory like art style, sort of covered the fade it. in a little yeah. bit. Um, this is not really going for that. It's going for it's going for cartoony, but it's going for a more realistic look mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. Um, and art wise, it pulls it off. Yeah. Um, you know, it look. You know, Pokemon looks really good here. Like, it, you know, the world looks looks nice. The, the you know, if you take away the technical snafus, like if you ran this on Dolphin or something, mm-hmm. like it, it, I think it would look great. Let's talk about the two things that most people are complaining about: the graphics. Like they they don't bother me that much. Honestly, they do, they do I agree with you. They don't. It doesn't look that great, and it doesn't run that great. And there's draw in, and there's pop up, and the the draw distance isn't very good, but it really doesn't bother me that much. I don't know why. Maybe I can't really explain it. They do. I mean, they do the I think job. The bar's it's, so low with this bother, franchise. It doesn't bother me in terms of like it makes it bad or makes it un, uh, bad to play. It bothers me in the sense that it doesn't have to be like this. Yeah. And it's not me criticizing Pokemon Arceus so much as me criticizing Nintendo for refusing to use decent hardware on their fucking hardware. Like, mm-hmm. and I know the Switch Two or whatever it is is just going to be the same shit again. We're going to be stuck with something that could barely run what was a, what a vanilla launch PlayStation 4 could run. Yeah. And we're going to be stuck with that for another five years. Yeah, so the, the graphics don't bother me that much. The other big complaint that everyone seems to have is that you have to catch the same Pokemon over and over. Mm. And that's pretty accurate. As you said earlier, Like what basically what you need to do is you need to get the research level for each Pokemon to 10. As yeah. Matt said earlier, a lot of times it just happens. Yeah. On accident. Because like, well, also early on, it feels like you have to capture them over and over again. But what you really need to do is just about anything. Like yeah. you get you get research points for uh, you go, it depends just on the seeing Pokemon. them do a seeing specific them doing specific moves, using yeah. specific moves against them, you, defeating them with their moves they're weak to. Yeah. Um, uh, what's the other? Uh, just beating them. Yeah. Like just, you know, like mm. and then you, a lot of times there's little side quests or requests that involve them that also count towards that. Like I've gotten you know. 10 research without even realizing it a lot of the time on some of these Me guys. too. And some of them, yeah, I've had to focus, like, you know, a couple of them I have had to focus on and be like, okay, I want to get this to 10 so I don't have to worry about it anymore. But like, for the most part, like early on, I was like, oh my God, this is going to take forever. It's going to be like it an MMO. It. And it doesn't. Yeah. It do- it really I think doesn't. it's, I think that com- that complaint is way overblown. No, I, I think it's much smart. And I, you know, look, as a, as a completionist who likes to do everything before he moves on to th- other things, like I, I, I get that impulse, but the way to do this game is absolutely just play it mm-hmm. and, complete. and it just happens and it just happens and then yeah. like if you need to go back and like you know clean do cleanup when you're done with an area and be like okay i didn't get all the all the information for the bunny bunny ears or whatever go back and do it like, and usually the cleanup is like don't worry about attack it attack the, the pokemon with an item yeah it's just something that's very easy to do you just never thought to yeah. do it and or wouldn't other, normally do and of course it. the other thing that you don't maybe realize early on is like you don't have to do everything on the list to get to 10 right yeah. Like, all you got to do is, like, four of them. Yeah. And not even all of them. You know, like, you get to yeah. ten by, like, you know, you've got, like, how many, like, They're six weighted. or seven, yeah. like, you, yeah, because the, the arrows indicate which ones are worth more. Mm-hmm. So you just focus on those and, and it's good. Easy. Yeah. So to me, the two biggest complaints with this game, I don't see it. But I'm with you, Matt. Like, I'm burning out on it already. Yeah. Like, I'm probably 30 hours in, and I feel like I'm halfway done. The game is just gigantic. Yeah. Which is not, I mean, look. That's, Kids, that's, that's the great. usual, yeah. That's the usual Pokemon complaint for adults. I think yeah. it's like, like it's still going. Yeah, it's still it going. It keeps going. And look, there's no gyms in this, but instead of there being a gym, there's regions, and right. like the regions are themed. So like one of the first mm-hmm. ones is a poison region, and you so you there you end up fighting all the poison Pokemon. Yeah. So they have found ways. Yeah, it's the same thing where it's like you realize what you have to like kind of 
build your team. You got to modify your team to handle mm-hmm. whatever element is going to be the the main element for this area or this gym. Um, I think the way they've done it here is a little more interesting. Shakes it up a little bit because like you're fighting like legend. You're not legendary, but like noble Pokemon. Noble Pokemon. Yeah. Are those, like, wait, those are the mounts, right? You beat those and then you get your mounts. Usually, yeah, except for the first one. Yeah. Where like the first one, you get the mount and then you fight the noble and the noble yeah. like, wanders off into the forest. Yep. But uh, I'm enjoying it. But I have been, like, marathoning the game, and I think mm-hmm. that's probably having an impact on... Yeah. I will say this. I, I've gotten tired of it while playing it several times over the weekend, but I always found myself loading it back up, like, a couple hours later just mm-hmm. to catch a few things. Yeah. Like, like it's, 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 it has the same kind of pull that Pokemon Go did. Yeah. You know? It's like, oh, I'll just go in and do a couple... Like, it does feel... Unlike a lot of the other Pokemon games, it does feel like I can jump in, play this for like 30 minutes, and feel like I did something. Yeah. You may not even realize it. Because sometimes yeah. you get credit for stuff you don't even know you did. Yeah. Because off, like in the distance, you'll see a Pokemon do something, and that will register towards like the yeah. research of that Pokemon. You don't even know it. Um, this game is great as a handheld game. Like while the NFL games were going on this yeah, weekend. I bet. I played it on my Switch OLED. I actually yeah. played my OLED in handheld got, mode. You got it just to turn on and it looks yeah i did finally and i've been having problems with that it goes to sleep and won't wake up i have to do the hold the power you have button the worst switch i know hardware luck i know I, ha- I have to do the hold the power button for 20 seconds release it and tap it again mm-hmm. and it'll reboot it i don't know what's going on wow. but anyway i did finally play my switch oled as a handheld this weekend in this game it's perfect it's fine it's great it looks way better on the handheld screen than it does on the I'm tv because sure. it's all shrunk down and it's not stretched out and blurry yeah. That's um, not what the map looks like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an enhanced version yeah. of the map. <laughs> um, anything else you want to talk about regarding this? Is there anything that we've left out? I don't think so. Like, I mean, I've, I've you know, no I, trainer I, battles really. Not real. I mean, there's like story driven ones. Yeah, you, you don't like you don't lock eyes with a child and and all of, and because you nobody get has away po- from them. Because and... nobody has Pokemon yet. Right. Like, it's, yeah. You know, there's that's one of the you know I, it's. I don't know, it's not particularly, it's not a hook to reason to play the game, but I do think it's interesting, especially early on, where, like, everybody's afraid of them. And, like, one of the early side quests is to have, like, to bring a Pokemon to a woman who thinks she might be, finally have worked up the courage to touch one. Right. But she won't. And then she still and, does yeah, it. Yeah, she won't do it. <laughs> um, but that's fun. Like, it's fun to see kind of this thing where it's like, you know, it's, it, they're trying to kind of turn it into, like, oh, what would it have been like before people knew anything about Pokemon? Yeah. Um, what about the lack of voice acting? Uh, I mean, I, and really the lack of of real cinematics. I didn't really think about it. Like I, 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 I just don't expect it from this. Yeah, you know? I, I agree with that. I it's don't the, expect it either. But I will say this: like while I was playing it, I kept comparing it to other open world games, a right. lot like Breath of the Wild, and I was like, this falls short. Mm-hmm. Like if Assassin's Creed was made this way, people would lose their freaking minds. True. <laughs> And I mean, we're about to run into Horizon, which is gonna yeah, be a exactly. Present- I mean, there's a, you know, there's a lot of archaic stuff in this. There's con- that constant like old school R- a JRPG, Bioware RPG thing, where like people hand each other items but by don't like, touch. Mo- moving their hand under the <laughs> under the bottom of the camera, and so like you don't see yeah. anything. Like, it's you know, it, it, you know, it's like so many like yeah. I mean, look, that's that's true of a lot of Nintendo stuff in general. It feels archaic, but the Pokemon stuff feels extra archaic and always has. Like I said, like. I don't blame the game necessarily. You know, I'm not going to judge the game for it because it's not its fault. But, mm-hmm. like, this is what Pokemon should have been 10 years ago. Yeah. 
Or longer. Or longer. Like <laughs> longer it's, go. Like you should have made the jump from handheld to when you made the jump from handheld to GameCube, this should have been your first thing. Because yeah. it's not open world. You're picking it's not. you're picking large open areas, but you could have done open big areas half the size of these on like a long you know, time ago. On the GameCube or the Wii. Yeah. And like that could have been Pokemon. Yeah. I'm in real, I'm enjoying it, but like you, I I am waning on it at this point, mm-hmm. but I have found myself, like you said, oh, I got 40 minutes or I got 30 minutes. I'm waiting for something to render or waiting for something to upload to YouTube or whatever. I'll yeah. pick it up and I'll play it for a little bit and actually accomplish something. So, yeah. And I do like, you know, like yeah, this is the day night cycle. So you get in things, you know, different Pokemon are out yep. at different times, different things happen during the daytime or nighttime, evening, morning. Like, I like it's all very rudimentary and it's not particularly unusual for an open world game, but it's fun to see Pokemon like that. In this you know? like, light, yeah. And I, had, I would imagine, I hope to God they keep making games this way. No, this definitely, Pokemon Legends needs to continue being this. Like, Do you think this will eventually drop the Legends name and it'll just be called I don't the think mainline so. Pokemon? I think this is just, I think this is a new brand. That's so dumb. Um, I don't think they're ever going to let, well, that's, I, I don't want to play an old Pokemon anymore after playing this. I think yeah. the answer to that is then don't. Yeah. Like because and that'll send the message, maybe. It, no, it won't, because there's mil- millions and millions <laughs> of people that always want to play the same thing. Well, I'm actually curious. I wonder if... But I any- think this can very, very, very easily exist alongside the main series as an alternative. I'm curious. Is there anyone in chat who has played a good bit of Arceus and prefers the old style of Pokemon more? Um, mm-hmm. In fact, just get your comments in about this game in general into chat right now. Uh, we're going to look at some of that stuff. But I'm particular, particularly curious if there is somebody who prefers the old way. And if so, let us know why. Um, because I can't think of a single way that the old Pokemon games are better. Yeah. Other than, the only thing I would say is, well, no. even the, I mean, if you have, I guess, accessibility issues and have trouble with real-time yeah. button pressing maybe. But yeah. in terms of just like sort of... Standard if game you're design an choices. Abled person, yeah, like I, I don't hey, see why you would like the other the old way better. I don't. I definitely don't. I can't think of a single element of the old games that I do like better. None. Mm-hmm. Not one. Um, JM Rain enjoying playing, but twenty to thirty minutes at a time, then break. Oh, I can and th- come actually. Back I think it. I can think of one. Um, I like that in the mainline series this is a very minor minor nitpick but in the mainline series when uh, uh, you're fighting somebody and they go to their next pokemon because you defeated their pokemon the game gives you an option to switch pokemon mm. says you says you're, they're about to send out whatever do you want to switch pokemon and i like that because if their next pokemon is a different weakness i can automatically switch to my other appropriate pokemon and not lose a turn on it and get hit from it one thing i would that's say- the only thing i can think of that i that i missed from the old games one thing I would say, too, is that the enemies are more unpredictable in this one. Because sometimes, True. depending on the stats that are running underneath the hood, a Pokemon you're fighting could just get three three attacks in a row. And yeah. I have yet to figure out like what it is that's causing yeah, that. While that. So happens, it catches me off sure. guard sometimes. Yeah. But other that's a nitpick. Like, At the same time, it's real easy to deal with. You know, you, yeah. you just fast travel back to a camp and rest yeah. or like throw a revive. You know what? You can craft almost anything you need in terms of recovery items. Oh, by the, yeah. you know, and certainly like, and stuff is plentiful. Even for revives, I would say stuff is pretty plentiful. So I never felt like I was, it's just a satchel size. Yeah. It's just, it's, yeah, <laughs> that's really the only limit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I, just, I never, so I never, so I never felt like I was like being treated unfairly, but it was yeah. like, 
it did get old in the sense that, like, especially early on where I'm like, okay, I, found, I got back and I rested and I'm going to leave the camp. Oh, I ran into a drift loon. Oh, now he, he one-shotted my, my right. Cyndaquil. Now I got to go back and do that. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, I got, like, 20 yards before I had to, like, I didn't. I no Turn longer had. I no longer had an intact team of six. Yeah, you know, that was, that was <laughs> yeah. annoying at times. But all right, let's have, let's look at chat and see what everyone's saying. Um, Erebus Jones. Yeah, I don't like it. I think it's the most technically incompetent high profile game I've played in years. I mean, that's it. You just it's the graphics. That's <laughs> like okay. I thought we established. That. I mean, it's not good. Like, I mean, just, it doesn't it, look good. It but... depends on your. I don't. I'm not just saying look good. I mean, it doesn't. I don't think it feels very good to move around in the world sometimes. But like, it doesn't ruin it. Can it, you it just, imagine? It de- I mean, it depends on your tolerance for that kind of thing. I honestly, if you only play stuff at 60 FPS, you are not going to make it through this game. Really? Yeah. I mean, it, the performance is awful. I play, it is, but I play most games on my. LG CX at 4K, 120 frames per second. Yeah, but you're not a I'm frame rate. It just fine. But you're not a frame rate snob. There are people. I mean, who, there are people who I think video games. There are people who think. Lot. There are people who think video games should not be played under 60 FPS under any circumstances. Period. I would never. I could never say. And look, uh, this is you. You can different strokes for different folks. I would never say that I don't like a game just because of its graphics. I would never say that. Doesn't happen often, but sometimes there, there are there are things that are not playable to me. Um, granted, you got to go like like there's Nintendo sixty four games I cannot play anymore. Yeah, but I mean those frame rates were like fifteen frames yeah. a second. Like this game isn't like that. Like no, we shouldn't like give people the impression no, that it but just it's, bottoms out. But or it's the it's one of the worst performing Nintendo games. You know, first technically second part. I don't know. Whatever the fuck. Yeah, it's only on Nintendo. It's a Nintendo game. Um, Nintendo games usually perform better than this. Yeah. Um, and I know Pokemon Company is not the same thing as Nintendo, but it's just it's it's a it's just it's just a like a, a, a notch below what I expect to be acceptable as a Nintendo published game. Okay. Um, and I got so I, it's not going to stop me. I still enjoy it, but like, and it certainly hasn't really impacted gameplay. Like, you know, I've never missed a Pokeball throw because of a frame rate hitch or anything like that. But it's annoying. It's annoying, and it doesn't have to be like that. And it's it's not Pokemon Company's fault. It's Nintendo going for subpar hardware, uh, and you know now we're five years in on this system, and this is what's going to happen. Uh, Vincent and says the Wild Two is going to be the same. I got know. It I, might be. It's it's gonna it's gonna feel held back by this hardware. Vincent says I don't think traditional Pokemon needs the bomb boss battles, but the rest should work. I'd agree with that. Yeah. That's probably the only new element that just doesn't really make much sense. No, I mean I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to make you part of the action because you don't want everything to be happening outside of the character now mm-hmm. that the character is freely movable. Yeah. Um I'm just not sure that's it. You know? Okay. Um Don Lionheart, I don't like the old way better, but I do miss the gym battles. Yeah. I don't. Um, I would like to have seen one. Maybe there is one in there. I don't know, but like maybe, maybe you meet, maybe yet. you run into the first gym, <laughs> the first ever yeah. gym battle. <laughs> it's possible. Um, maybe it's called the James. Um, Otaps, I haven't bought a Pokemon game in over twenty years. Probably smart. <laughs> Took the plunge here, and I, overall, I'm enjoying it. Great foundation to build off. Lots to improve. Yeah, yeah like if you haven't played Pokemon in a very long time, this is probably going to be a revelation. Oh my god! I mean, for me, it was a revelation. I've played all of them. Um, Le- Leonosaurus, I prefer Arceus over the old system. They need to stick with the system going forward and build on top of it. I agree a million percent. I think they will. I'm just not going to replace the main series. The main series will always be what the main series is. This will just be a companion thing. But 
I could definitely see myself hitting a point where I just don't buy the main series anymore and just wait for the Legends games. Yeah. Because this is a much more rewarding gameplay experience to me. I this leaps and bounds better. Um, Vincent says, I also don't like that everything is more powerful. We mentioned that, how you get one yeah. one hit, like, kills all the time. Yeah, there's 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 um, there's almost a rant. I, I don't feel uh, as in control as I do in the main series. Like, like I generally feel like I know how much this thing's going to do, how much damage this will do. Blah, blah, blah. But there's times when I'm like, I you know, I'm six levels higher than this thing, and it just tackled me for three quarters of my life. I'm like, okay, and I'm not even weak to tackle, so what happened? Yeah. Um, see what else. As always, go at Sifted Games. It makes it a lot easier for us to pull stuff out of the chat. If you have something that you want us to read on air, that's always a good way to do it. Jam Rain, thank you for Twitch Prime, brother, and for gifting all these subs to our awesome live audience. Um, Erebus Jones follows up. I'm not a frame rate snob. This game is getting a pass because it is a Pokemon game. It's not a good game. It's just an evolved Pokemon game. It's not good enough. I, I disagree with that, but again, you're entitled to your opinion. Um... I do agree that if this was not Pokemon, I'd be getting sevens. Yeah. My, I, my, hey, I drafted that team eighth overall, and my team has got an yeah. 8.6 right now. <laughs> nah, the Poke- I'll take it. The Nintendo bump is real. It is real. But that's why I drafted it, because yeah. I said my strategy this year was to get as much Nintendo as I could, and yeah. so far it's paying off. Doesn't always work, Star Fox. Um, Contano, I'm curious because people are saying it's an evolution, but I can't help but wonder if we are praising a very average game because it's better than what it has been. I mean, that kind of is what's happening, I think. But, like, I mean, I do grade Pokemon on a curve because it has been stagnant since, like, 1999. Well, I grade it against other turn-based RPGs. And on that scale, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Well, also, there's not that many of those anymore. Right. Like, yeah. Um... Pokemon also has an advantage against a lot of other modern turn-based RPGs because Pokemon doesn't really layer on useless stuff, and a lot of the others do. Um, this now is up against other open-world action RPGs, and it's it kind of pales in comparison if you're going to compare it to like you know the actual competition on the other systems. Uh, but if you're just judging it as a Pokemon game, um, it's real damn good. Like it's it, like, again, it's a curve. Like it's 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 fine. You know, and I wish it ran better, and I wish there was more to do, and I wish there was more variety in places. But also, it's Pokemon. Like it's, yeah. I think Vinaraba kind of nails it. He says, this was the first Pokemon game to keep my attention in a while, but it feels like proof of concept rather than a full game. Yeah. I think Which that's might also be why accurate. I keep comparing it to Breath of the Wild, because uh, that also felt like that. Yep. Norix Nessie, thank you for Twitch Prime, brother. I bet the next one of these is going to be amazing. Exactly. I think so, too. Um, the Big Smoke 82, I never played a Pokemon game. Is it basically a card battler? Um, no. no it's, it's a, a turn-based RPG. It's a, it's a turn, yeah, it's a JRPG. And each little creature is just a character in your party. Yeah. But they only have, like, four attacks. Yeah. Total. That's all they can ever have at a time. And if you want another one, you have to remove one of the four. So that's... It's just a very simple turn-based RPG with tons of potential party members. That's really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Um... Anything else? Nope. Lestevid gifted a tier one sub. Thank you. That's awesome. Okay. I think that's it. Anything else you want to say? Veritas does make a good point. I bet the next one will be amazing has been Pokemon's motto for two decades. (laughs) Well, I hope the next one's on new hardware. I'm sure it will be. There's no way they're going to make another one in time. But, like, I... Even on new hardware, do I see Nintendo recording the requisite amount of voiceover that it should for a game like this? No. No. I don't. Do I 
see Nintendo creating amazing real-time cinematics that happen constantly throughout the game. No. Um, wholly unimpressive real-time cinematics, but not amazing. Right. No. Like, legit ones with camera angles and, like, voice acting and no, there's, there's post a, effects. And presentationally, there's not much here that wasn't already done on the PS2 when yeah. it comes to, like, the story. Yep. That's accurate. Okay, so there you go. That's Pokemon Legends Arceus. Oh, should people buy it, Matt? Um, I think if you look at the, you're looking at this footage and you're hearing us and like, they're you're basically you want an evolved Pokemon, but you have the expectations of Pokemon that a realistic person should. Then mm-hmm. yes, I say buy it. I do not regret buying it. I don't either. I'm having fun with it, and I am grinding through it, which will impact. Yeah. how you enjoy as long, something as long but as i have learned over time to right recognize that but the, also the, adjust the, the, the irritation with a grind wears off in a matter of hours for me still like yeah. i come back to it multiple times a day me too yeah um yeah just uh, yeah don't like don't like dive into it and you know, expect to come back to it periodically because it's it's a it's a quick fix it's not a uh, yeah. it's not a, it's not a marathon um which is especially actually going to be especially good Considering all the stuff that's coming out in the next few weeks, because I can definitely that's what see, I was just gonna say. I can definitely see marathoning uh, Dying Light and like Horizon and Elden Ring, but like taking like a couple after a few hours, being like, I'm gonna catch some Pokemon. And yeah, just I need clear, a break. Clear the mechanism <laughs> a little bit. You I know? need a cleanser. Yeah, uh, but it, uh, to your point though, there's a lot of competition coming up here in the yeah. next. And I would just say this: I still recommend it as a purchase, even with all the games that Matt just mentioned coming out in the next three or four weeks. I would still recommend yeah. buying. I, th- I think it, it's a huge game. You get a also, lot of value out of it. Also, I think it pairs well. I would say if you're going to pick one, like Dying Light or Horizon or Elden Ring, even if you're just going to get one of those, I feel like Pokemon's going to pair well with any no, of those. That's a good point. You know? It's not like any of the other ones. You know, I mean, you know what I mean about a <laughs> yeah. palate cleansing kind yeah, of game. You always totally. have like a side game where you're just like, I'm going to yeah. play something that's nothing like that. I'm going to like, yeah. it makes me feel like like a yeah. I can definitely see myself like catching some Pokemon, watching some stupid cutscenes, and like being like, okay, now I'm ready for more Elden Ring. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I'm definitely going to need breaks from Elden Ring. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. I'm going to play a game where the dodge roll loves me. <laughs> Oh, we, I just think we just went through the hype train. No, we're at level two for the second time around. Mm. Wow. But yeah, so yeah I like it. emojis for everybody. I will say that, like, the, the reviews are obscenely inflated in the in the, the numerical score, which is good for your team. But, like, yeah. I, like I don't know. nines and tens, nines, that's it, crazy. It's, no. Yeah. No, just performance-wise, no. Yeah. No. Like, that, they, I mean, the, the visuals would drop the game enough on their own to get me out of that. Yeah. Easily. Yeah, that zone um, of scores. Yeah, I just so don't be fooled by that. But it's like it's in the seven to eight range, I would say. Yeah. Um, if I was being more realistic about it, but and I think that's where people will come down to on, on it in the end. Yeah, I uh, wouldn't even be surprised either if by the end of the year, when I actually get my score for this, it's more like an eight point two. Yeah, or once you've got like a hundred reviews yeah. averaged. Yeah. Still, I'll take an eight in the eight slot. That's cool. Um, Barry Lomax, Shane, don't give up on Elden Ring. I believe in you. <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I won't give up, man. I'll give it everything I've got, that's for sure. Uh, Justin Horman, thank you for the uh, 505 bits. I don't know what the butts part of that means. but Butts. <laughs> it's not bits, it's butts. Oh, 505 butts. Okay. I'll take it. Thanks, man. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about one of Matt's favorite topics, Star Wars. Came out this week, and I, I'm very curious to hear what you think about this, Matt. That Quantic mm-hmm. Dreams Star Wars Eclipse is being designed to mimic The Last of Us. Now, if this may f- sound familiar to those of you out there, and to Matt, I'm sure, 
This was the same thing that was said about Star Wars 1313, except it was being designed to be like an Uncharted game set in mm-hmm. the Star Wars universe. We all know what happened to that game. Actually, did you see the crazy Boba footage. Fett gameplay that came out yeah. this week from Star Wars 1313? Yep. That game was really far along, man. It was. Wow. Very far along. How disappointing is that? I mean, that happened with a bunch of Star Wars stuff. I mean, look, that's look at Force Unleashed 2. That game was... That game was basically half finished when they forced it out the door. Yeah. That game was a cliffhanger. Yeah. You, you only got to the middle of Act 2 in yeah. that game. And then they just <laughs> ended it. And it was like either they shut it At down. At least they or, released that one, though. Yeah, but it was like one of those, like, oh, we shut it down. Or, like, you can just finish what you got and force it out the door and call it a day. And that's what they did. Yeah. Um, it, was a, it was a bad time. Early, early 2010s <laughs> were bad time for Star Wars games. Yeah. But uh, Star Wars 1313, stuff just keeps continuing to leak out of that game. I'm sure we'll see even more as time goes on. Because it was so far along. I can't believe still that they canceled it. Yeah, well, I mean, that that mostly got canceled as a result of the sale transfer. Oh, really? Yeah. That was that was uh, I think that was all part of the the Disney purchase and everything got kind of like everything got cleared the board got cleared because uh, it was old EU yeah and it was going to be Boba Fett's origin story which as we now know obviously is a, or his origin story as a bounty hunter mm-hmm. um, which was a I think a, a mandate from Lucas after it already started about it wasn't going to be about Boba Fett and then he decided to make it young Boba Fett and they had to scram- he's, he did that a few times it was yeah. A, the story of the um, the Darth Maul game, the Splinter Cell Darth Maul game. could have had nice synergy with the Boba Fett show that's airing right now, though. Uh, yeah, but it would have come out seven years ago. So that would probably have contradicted the Boba Has Fett it been show. that long since 1313? I saw 1313 at E3 2012. Is that right? Yeah, that was the last E3 I was at for G4. They showed us that. Wow. Yeah, okay. That was the that, that, They shut that down the year that Disney bought them. Okay. Um, well, what do you think about it's this, been 10 Matt? years. Star Wars Eclipse. First of all, we should mention this. Star Wars Eclipse, as of right now, people are saying it's like 2027 or something. Yeah. Like, it's not coming it's for a long there. time. How do you feel about David Cage trying to create a game like The Last of Us? Um, <laughs> Rhetorical I, question. I feel like it's expecting a, a mouse to build a skyscraper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, look, if they're saying, maybe that's why they're saying 2027, because it'll take his team that long. I'm hoping they take it away from them. Really? Like, they, I, I'm hoping they just take the project away and give it to somebody competent. You think that'll happen? It might. Stranger things have happened. I mean, they couldn't, didn't he pitch this idea, though? Like, they couldn't take it from him and give it to somebody sure else, they could. right? They could just take it from him. Of course they can. Really? Anything you pitch Star Wars-wise belongs to Lucasfilm. Really? They can take your idea and do whatever the hell they want with it. Wow, I wasn't aware of that. Everything you do for your Lucasfilm, as far as I know, unless something drastically changed, is all work for hire. Like if if Gary Gary Whitta pitched Rogue One to them, if Gary Whitta went in there and like pitched Rogue One as the and they're like, no, we don't like that, but we're not going to do it. And then they made, you know, Rogue Uno like two years later. That was the exact same. There's nothing you can do about it. You, as soon as you walk in that door, you're pitching, you're giving them their the idea. Provided you're being paid by them and you signed. Yeah, well, you sign anything. Appropriate paperwork. That, usually, yeah. you walk, sign just about anything. Walk in that door. NDAs, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea their asses are covered four ways from Sunday on that kind of stuff. Um, if they want to take Eclipse away and have somebody else make it, they are. If they want to pay whatever penalties there might be for breaking that contract with Quantic Dream, they can do that, and they might. How do you feel about studios that emulate another studio's design? Do that generally end up going well? That's how we got Dark Forces. Yeah. That's how we got X-Wing. That's how we got Shadows of the Empire. That's how we got almost every Star Wars game. Shadows of the Empire was not good. Uh, but it was the proof of concept for Rogue Squadron. Mm-hmm. Because the only good parts that of it Hoth were the battle ship was, yeah. flying. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> really, just the Hoth battle. The Hoth battle and the... the, the um, they were very smart to put that at the beginning the, uh, of the game. The space battle at the end. Yeah, that's yeah, it's pretty good. All um, the on-foot, third-person stuff, though, is trash. That's rough. Yeah, it's Although, we did get to see what the bottom of a Dianoga looked like. That's true. That was fun. <laughs> that, that was creepy. I, I still think that level's creepy, like swimming around there and seeing them all. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. That, that, something about the way the N64 did fog. Yeah. That was true. Clanker's Cavern freaks me out, too. Like oh, something yeah. About, something about the, the depth of fog in the underwater in N64 games is just, like, creepy to me. Huh. Um, now, look, I'm not trying to say that, you know, iteration is the key to almost all art. Nobody comes up with a truly unique concept. Most art is some iteration on something that came before it. But it just seems like any in gaming in particular, anytime a studio decides, like, we're going to make this game, which is Star Wars, but Fortnite. Star Wars, but Minecraft. It seems like that stuff never ends up working out. I mean, it, it ends up becoming too derivative. And, like, the IP isn't enough to kind of get it over the hump usually. I mean... Your your game of the year a couple years ago was Star Wars, but Dark Souls. Ah, uh, if it was Star Wars but Dark Souls, I wouldn't have liked it. I mean, much. that's what that's what <laughs> uh, Fallen Order is. Well, it's way easier than yeah, Dark Souls, but it's still using the Dark Souls template. That's how they modified it. That's execution. Execution matters. Like yeah. they made it accessible, and it's a lot of Metroid to it as well. But also, mm-hmm. you could say Dark Souls has that too. Um, Dark Souls just doesn't have the upgrades that let you get further. So it's like there was a melding of Metroid and Dark Souls. There's nothing in Fallen Order that was original. Like, you know. I mean, there's nothing in most video games that's original yeah. anymore. But like Star Wars traditionally takes what's popular at the time and makes Star and hoses it down in Star Wars juice, as Greg Bemis would say mm-hmm. on extended play. That's how we got Dark Forces. It's just Doom, but mm-hmm. Star Wars. Uh, X-wing is just Wing Commander, but Star Wars. Uh, you know. And some of them are not successful. The Masters of Terras Cassie is Tekken, but Star Wars, and terrible. Yeah. Um, but it did give us Whore, <laughs> the Tusken Raider named Whore. Yeah. So there is a PlayStation 1 game where you can load up the fighting game, the, you know, the fight, and the announcer actually says, Luke Skywalker versus Whore. That's canon. <laughs> That's great. That's canon. <laughs> EU canon, but canon. When they say that, like, it's going to be Star Wars The Last of Us. You don't think it's, like, the tone, right? It's just No, I think des- it's going to be where the camera's placed. It's just the design. Yeah. yeah. And it's not going to... Look, if everyone could do Last of Us, everyone would do, do Last it. of yeah. Us. Naughty Dog is a particular case with people that can do that. Probably. Well, most studios like, maybe, don't have the Maybe time. if Insomniac told me or they were going to do that, like, yeah. maybe I'd be like, okay, they might be able to pull that off. Quantic Dream, get out. I think it's more Come about on. time, though. Let's be honest. Naughty Dog takes, like, seven years to make a game. I mean, so yeah. does Rockstar. It's like, I don't know that they're that much better than everybody else. Yeah, they're a, they probably are a little bit better, but they're afforded so much time. Sure, it's but like, they, also like know how to, studio. they also know how to make it feel good. Like, the, yeah. like you know, to, to one of the things you point out about devs all the time, Quantic Dreams never made an action game. Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing, <laughs> they've never been good at making the games they already make. There's nothing indicating to me they can make something that feels good to point and shoot. Well, the other thing, too, is that when they first announced it, the game was called like an interactive adventure game and yeah it sounded this, like what it was gonna but they were and always now all making. of a sudden it's a last of us clone i i don't know <laughs> but to your point you're right like a game Wait, this game might as well be called never... star wars red flags yeah like it's just there's no i have no hope for this whatsoever do you think it's ever going to come out i think there's a non-zero chance it never comes out yeah it's too far out i mean if, if they really are having so much trouble staffing up that they think it'd be five to six years like what's the point yeah will the high republic setting even be in play anymore at that point who knows 
Like it, like it could be a throwback by then. <laughs> it okay. could be. The High Republic has had a lot of t- trouble catching on with people outside of the the uh, comics and the and the novels because they don't do anything with it. Yeah. So like, yes, the High Republic could definitely use a boost in terms of like you know raising its visibility with people who like Star Wars because if you don't read the novels, and I can hardly blame you for not reading the novels, um, you don't, probably don't really know about the High Republic, but putting a game out seven years from now is not really the way you do that, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the point of this is. If it's that far out and you're working with just such a dog shit company that has such a terrible track record of its writing. But like I've said before, part of the problem with the writing in David Cage games is like he's trying to tackle big, important social issues that he has no clue how to how to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just comes off as a, like a weird ham handed after school special. And like maybe like pulp space opera is exactly his level. You know, maybe Star Wars is his level of competency, and he would have a good Star Wars story in there somewhere. Like maybe if he stops trying to quote Martin Luther King and starts quoting Obi Wan Kenobi, you might have something. <laughs> I know he wouldn't quote Obi Wan Kenobi because Obi Wan Kenobi lived like three hundred years after the High Republic. Leave me alone. That's funny. The CG trailer looked cool. I mean, that's a, like the High Republic setting is cool to me. I would be interested in a game set in that. I would play like a KOTOR that was like a spinoff that was set in the High Republic. But I have I have negative faith in Quantic Dream uh, for any number of reasons, and uh, would be glad to see this go away or move to another company. Anyone, almost anyone. Yeah. I would be surprised if it ever comes out because the other thing too is that I'd rather play Don't Nod's version that is literally an adventure point-and-click game. Oh. Well, the other thing, too, is that this isn't the only project that it's working on, Quantic Dream. It's also mm-hmm. working on turning that Dark Sorcerer right. demo from the PS4 Dreamland into, into Dreamland, a real game. Um, this so is that... So have they... I guess they haven't. I'm, I'm still curious if, like, they're if they're just taking the fantasy setting of that and doing that, or if it's going to incorporate the fact that it's clearly a set. Breaking the fourth wall. Like, is it going to be like, yeah, is it going to be like a Forspoken thing where that guy playing the wizard gets sucked into a world where everybody thinks he's really a wizard? <laughs> that would be kind probably better than the concept that they have for That's it. True. <laughs> That's true. That's true. be my guess. But um, you're going to call it Dreamlands, it implies like a, you know, another right. world or you might end up, you know, that, that sounds, you know, some yeah, it's possible. Cynical actor has to suddenly play the role for real sounds like the kind of concept that Cage would go for. That could make it interesting, actually. It could make it interesting in the hands of a competent writer. But they, right, but they take so long to make their games already. And if they're working mm. on two at a time and they can't get staff enough to work on even one of them, I... I don't know. I feel like we're yeah, almost talking about something that doesn't even matter anymore because none of this stuff is going to ever come out. <laughs> no, it's, I, mean, I mean, this thing, a dream, that's a PS6 game. Yeah. Eclipse a PS4 might be a PS6 demo game. for PS6. <laughs> Eclipse might be a PS6 game at this point. Yeah. It if it's, you're enough. talking seven years out, it would be right on the edge. Cross, you, cross yeah, platform. Why, why, did cross you, why did you even make that trailer? Yeah. I don't get it. I don't either. So early. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're, they're probably just excited that they got the sure. green light. But especially in this world where it's like, but that wasn't even them, really. It was a CG, yeah. it was a CG rendered thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, that's not even Quantic Dream's thing. Quantic Dream does, like, real-time stuff. It's like, who, why do you... Yeah, that had to be Lucasfilm paying for that. So why did yeah. you make that... I don't know. I don't get it. I like, don't get it either. Especially after when you're sitting in this situation where, like, we've had four Star Wars games in ten years. EA dropped this ball so hard, and like coming out here and being like, "Oh, well, you get this one in seven years." Like that's almost seventeen years after the acquisition of Lucasfilm. Who cares? It's at crazy. That point? I know. 
Well, tell me the, what you're going to do with squadrons. Tell me what you're going to do like with anything else. Where, you, the where, good give news, me an Matt, update on the KOTOR remaster, remake thing. The good news is that Ubisoft is making a Star Wars game. True. That's the good news. Yeah. That is the one game that I feel like I can count on. Response games. I yeah. feel like I can count on those to be oh, yeah. competent. Well, I mean, that's the other thing that like that makes the Quantic Dream Star Wars game like kind of more prominently irritating is like, there's nothing to play right now mm-hmm. if you're a Star Wars fan. Like, yeah. you're, we're waiting for Lego Star Wars, and like the yeah. next thing we're gonna get is probably gonna be uh, Fallen Order two next year. Probably and, like, like early lucky. next year. And yeah. like, if we, if, you know, if seven years from now Star Wars games are coming out of the pipeline on a regular basis and like really filling that need. I don't really care if a Quantic Dream Star Wars game comes out because I can just easily ignore it. Play all the other ones, yeah. But like, if it's the only thing we're gonna, if we're gonna get like one Star Wars game every two years, like that's a significant chunk of my lifespan that's left yeah. at this point. I know, you know? it's funny. I'm at that point too. Like, I'm at the point now where I'm wondering if like I'll ever see the Steelers win another Super Bowl. Mm. It's funny the things you think about when you get older. <laughs> Like well, what was it? it could not that happen. stuff can happen. What was the thing? There was this meme that was going around at the beginning of the playoffs. It's like no one has ever sent a text about the Bengals winning a playoff right. game because the last <laughs> time they won a playoff play. game, texting didn't exist yet. Exactly. Well, the Steelers when they won their years. I know, man. When they when the Steelers won the first Super Bowl after the drought against the Seahawks, it had been 25 years mm-hmm. from when they won another one. So there is a chance I'll never see another one. Just wait till you get to our age, people. It's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I really think that these both of these projects from Quantic Dream will probably never come to fruition. Yeah, honestly, and maybe we'll never talk about them again on Game Face either. <laughs> oh, no one's that lucky. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, we're going to talk next about Hollywood, and Matt caught wind of this topic when he got in here, um, and he had some strong opinions about it. Um, and basically what we're talking about is the fact that there are so many TV shows and films in development right now based on video games. And so what what rankled Matt's ire was that on our rundown, the, the title for the topic is Hollywood is Creatively Bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And he disagrees with that. So yeah. explain why. I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with it fully, but it's just a complaint that's been leveled against Hollywood since before we were alive. Yeah. Like, and so to the point that it just doesn't feel like a valid criticism anymore. Like, you it, brought up something I didn't know about. Yeah, actually. in the 70s, you know, the, what we would now consider like the gold, one of the golden ages of, you know, where we're getting The Godfather and The French Connection and like, you know, every, all the great 70s auteur filmmaking stuff that did in the end lead to Star Wars when you mm-hmm. think about it. Yeah. Um, you know, Star Wars doesn't exist without Coppola being successful um there were uh, numerous editorials and i know this because my dad used to have like fanzines and magazines and all yeah he i have all these old things from that you read them and they're mind shredding because it's like a lot of them are written by the people who like say stupid toxic bullshit about star wars or other movies on twitter now except Twitter didn't exist so they just like wrote it in magazines um it's a lot easier to avoid but there was tons of people uh, there was uh, multiple editorials talking about how hollywood is creatively bankrupt now because all the movies are based on books when was the last time? When was the last time you saw a movie that wasn't based on a book? Yeah. Everything's a novel. Or was it based on we, anything? We know how they all. We know how they all end because we've all read The Godfather. I'm like, have you? How many people now even know The Godfather started as a book? Yeah, right. It's hard for me to think. 2001. Of, yeah, like it wasn't based on a book, but they wrote a book alongside of it, and that was I got dinged for that because it had a book related to it. Clockwork Orange. Like, yeah. it's yeah. You know, all that stuff was criticized for that, and it's like crazy to think now that like. 
you know, people criticize it for being based on a video game or a, or a comic book or whatever. But, like, if you base something on a book, nobody bats an eye because books are smart now. Yeah. Right? But and, – and it's even – it's just it's just what the popular entertainment or like the, the entertainment that someone doesn't always choose as part of the mainstream. Go back to the Twilight Zone, the that the Twilight Zone episode where Burgess Meredith is uh, likes to read all the time and everybody makes fun of him and then there's a nuclear war and he's in a bank vault and he comes out and everybody's dead but him and he has t- it's called time enough at last and he's like oh finally I can read all these books and then he drops his glasses and he can't see anymore. <laughs> like a great episode. B the first like third of that episode is just people being horrendously shitty to this man because he likes to, to read, read things. <laughs> his, he gets home and his wife has cut all the words out of his magazine so he can't read it when he gets home from work and I'm like, who's <laughs> mad that someone's reading? Like, that is indeed the Twilight Zone. Yeah, but, it's like, but it's like, this was apparently not a super weird thing for bookworms to run into if you like to read a lot because like, same way like if you like to play video games, people would be like, why are you always looking at a screen? And it's yeah. like that kind of thing. Like, why, why can't you just let me enjoy what I enjoy? Yeah, That's always been a thing. It's just yeah. like it's always yeah. been a thing that people think that Hollywood's creatively bankrupt because they are not making movies the way that they think movies should be made. They do not make movies the way that they liked them when they were younger. You know, it's always a lot of way worse now, Matt, because I really, they really aren't, but really, okay, well, let me state my case because I really struggle to find not just films, but TV shows as well that either TV shows I'll give you. It's something that isn't based on some other existing property or a film that is digging up some old film franchise from mm. 15, 20 years. Like, they just made a new screen. Well, you, yeah. Which I actually almost went to see. My <laughs> answer, my right answer, on the fringe. My answer to that is you need to look at stuff that isn't just blockbuster tent poles. Like, like the uh, indie stuff. Anything. 150 movies come out in America a year, and maybe 10 of them are comic book movies. And yeah. maybe three of them I are was, based Honestly, on I was even really referring to comic books. I was right, talking but, I'm, about but other comic stuff. books are the main source right now. You're but right. What I'm saying is, like, you yeah. go to any, you, you go to the Lamley theaters or whatever, you're going to see a bunch of, you know, like, what people are talking about the Lighthouse or, like, all the, most horror movies are not really, I mean, there's a lot of reboot stuff, but a lot of the, the, the vital horror movie stuff is not based on anything. Everything that Jordan Peele does. They're is so rare, though. They're not rare. They're everywhere. Like, a good Mo- horror movie that is good horror okay good is one thing um but what i'm saying is like original stuff comes out all the time you just got to go look for it you, can, you just can't go see it at the local cinemaplex and yeah, that I is mean, a problem the problem is it's usually crap it's not though uh, I, mean, I mean when i start digging around indie films like it seems like one out of five hold my interest past the first 30 minutes i mean or there's a bunch of others i mean the green knight like stuff like that, you know. That's obviously based on something. But it's based on an ancient myth, you know. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, I'm not going to count that as an. As yeah, an I don't either. <laughs> um, you know, and there's mistakes you can make with that. Like people need to stop trying to make movies out of King Arthur and Robin Hood. Like I know it's yeah, it's royal. You know, I know they're public domain, but nobody cares. Yeah. Um, but but I'm just saying, like, there's always been you know the, the front line of Hollywood has always been unoriginal stuff that everybody knows is going to sell. Mm-hmm. That's the per- it's a business. It's always been a business yeah. between 1930 and 1942. They made 28 Blondie movies, which were based on the comic strip Blondie, Molly yeah. and Dagwood. Like this has always been there. And you go back to like it's like Tarzan Fly all there. That's based on a book. No one remembers that Tarzan was a book, a terrible book, but it was based on a book. I saw a cartoon the other day. They even did a gritty reboot of it when we were kids. Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan. I remember that. Yeah, which, I do remember and everyone wants to see a Tarzan movie, and it was mostly him learning how to eat soup. <laughs> I saw a cartoon the other day, and it just had like two people sitting at tables. And one, it was comic book movies, and there was a line of mm-hmm. a million people. And then the other one was comic books, and there was nobody. That is true. Um, <laughs> but that's been true Why for years. Why is that, Matt? That people love movies about comics but don't look, care about comics at all. Because, A, people don't like to read. B, people don't want like stuff taking up space in their house. Um, 
and see, like, um... Okay. It is kind of bizarre, give, though, isn't it? Give Ashes in the Hourglass clearance on that one uh, so we can re- respond to it because uh, he's saying the same thing people have said since we were kids about the same things. What? Where I... He says he disagrees with me because the, uh, the types of film that are successful now are just big, dumb shit. No. Not all. They've of them. always been the same thing. Like, if you go back to the, to the 80s and look up film criticism, they're going to talk about how everything Spielberg makes is crowd-pleasing garbage and mind candy that has no redeeming value. And you're going to look at, ask someone who grew up then, they're going to say E.T. and Indiana Jones are the greatest things that Changed they grew my life, up with. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because it does, I, I, I will say it over and over and over and over, the golden age of anything is 12 because that's how old you were when you think the best stuff came out. Yeah. Always. And it goes around and around and around. I'll, I, have a, I have an old uh, book about sci-fi movies that came out in the, in the mid 80s and um, that my dad had a huge thing and I got it when my dad died and uh, one of the most striking things to it for me always in that book is that it and a couple other books he had they hate Alien the film the original 79 yeah. Alien they call it a big haunted house of a movie a big dumb boo Ridley Scott's <laughs> big dumb boo of a movie is what they call it. it's just yeah. every entry in these books written by like film film aficionados yeah. snobs yeah. at the time just go on and on about how Alien was just a big dumb crowd pleasing stupid movie that nobody nobody's gonna remember in 10 years <laughs> that didn't work out you just see the reviews of Blade Runner <laughs> At the time. Like, this has always been there. You think the current stuff is stupid because it's not the stuff you loved. Yeah. And and I'm not saying you're wrong not to love it. If you don't like it, don't like it. Yeah, that's fine. But, like, this stuff doesn't change. It just goes, goes back to ancient Greece. Like, people – it goes back to when people were – in ancient Greece where philosopher people were worried that if they started writing things down, everyone would just read all the time and not work anymore. Which I guess is where that Twilight Zone episode comes from. Nolan Elric says, comic book writing has just become adapted failed screenplays. Would you agree with that? Some of that. I mean, that it's more complicated than that. Um, but uh, somewhere around the early 2000s, I, I would attribute it largely to uh, uh, Grant Morrison's new X-Men and the Ultimate uh, Universe reboot. Uh, comic writers started scripting things more like TV or film scripts. They started mm-hmm. scripting them more as storyboards, almost, yeah. which is what they are. Yeah. You know, they, they moved away from that thing where if you read older comics from the 90s or earlier, it's just a bunch of word balloons where people are just saying what's happening in the in the picture, right. yeah. in the text. Yeah, like, yeah. Stan Lee used to do that all the time. Yeah, most and comics it's unreadable. It's, yeah. it's terrible. Whereas, like, you know, you had people like Neil Gaiman, a lot of the Vertigo uh, writers would pioneer the idea of, like, I'm writing it like a script. I'm going to describe what's in the panel, and the artist can just take it and run with it. And that became sort of a more normal way to do things, whereas the old Marvel way was you'd plot it. You'd say, like, this this is what happens in the story page by page, and the artist would draw it, and then the writer would fit the words in where they could, basically. Mm. It was not really the same sort of collaboration happens now. Um, so, yeah, it, it does – there is a lot of crossover between how that – But I think it's a better way to write comics. I think comics are better than they've ever been. And I've been reading comics since 1979. Yeah. Like – and I go back to the stuff I loved as a kid, the old X-Men, even the old Claremont X-Men stuff, and it's just unreadable. Now. Really? I, Interesting. It, it's not all of it. Some of it's still good storytelling, but the dialogue is just the most turgid nonsense. You've, you know, people can rip on Brian Michael Bendis all he wants, but I can still read Ultimate Spider-Man. I sure as hell can't go back to Onslaught and all that stuff anymore. Okay. Um, so yeah that is all to preface the fact that um, just because movies are being based on things you've heard of before doesn't mean that you've anything's any worse than anything was back in the 30s even this is it's always been a business it's always been lowest common denominator and you've always had to dig for the good stuff and frankly uh, 
the fact that we only remember the good stuff is part of the phenomenon. Yeah. Like, go back and look, you know, pick any movie that you think was amazing, any, any Hitch, great Hitchcock film, you know, Psycho, let's pick Psycho, and go back and look at the release schedule for movies in 1963 when Psycho came out and see how many of those you remember. Mm-hmm. I bet a lot of them are trash you've never heard of. Yeah. Because most things are. And it's nothing. The cream will rise, and in 20 years, you have people. You know, you have people who are like eight, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, during the Avengers Endgame era, complaining about how the current Avengers stuff just doesn't have the heart that the yeah. that the Avengers did back when Robert Downey Jr. was Iron Man. Well, Matt, what prompted this discussion for me was the first full trailer for the Halo yeah. TV series on Paramount Plus. Um, and I will say, you know, I, I was pretty critical of the teaser for that because I didn't think it looked – I thought it looked like a CW show from, like, mm-hmm. the, the 2010s. Um, I think this trailer looks great. Oh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm all over I, it, man. I think this – I think they 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 stepped it up on this one, and this look this looks like a really solid thing. And I, 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 I also bolster that by saying that I had a bunch of – several people I know who have never touched a Halo game – text me and say like that halo thing looks amazing i yeah. kind of want to play the games now and i'm yeah. like well they don't look like that like, <laughs> not yet like 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 imagine seeing this and then having the first halo recommended to you right. like what the f- <laughs> how is this the same thing uh i know this looks this looks really I good think it looks awesome it looks mandalorian level to me yeah yeah i would agree with this that, that shot right there fighting the that's elites. a great <laughs> yeah i especially like that shot because you when you're in first person you forget how big they are i'm just gonna rewind that and watch that again you forget how big the I elites are they're like 10 feet tall awesome Seeing some of this stuff well represented, it's awesome. Look how huge they are. Yeah, I mean they are that big. <laughs> yeah, the scale you don't get from the games for whatever reason. Um, I was so anyway. the The irony is that I'm really hyped for this show now, and I think this trailer is awesome, and I think it. I'm really excited. I may actually get Paramount Plus. I hope they release it all at once. I only have to get it for a month. Because what I end up doing with Disney Plus is I wait till the season's done. So right now I'm waiting for the Boba Fett show to finish up so I can get Disney Plus for a month and watch everything mm. for a month and then get rid of it. Hopefully with Paramount Plus, they put it all up at once and they don't drag it out across like two and a half months or whatever. But anyway. I think they'll drag it out across like six weeks. Yeah. But ironically. I prepaid for three years of Disney Plus. So did you? <laughs> it doesn't matter to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, ironically, this looks so awesome that I started thinking about all the other stuff in Matt. Some of the gaming-related movies and TV shows that are coming out, to me, are insane. And it's hard for me to think anything else, but they can't come up with better ideas than what they're getting from games. So we just found out that The Rock is going to star in a new Call of Duty movie. It's crazy that they haven't honestly made a Call of Duty movie until now. I mean, one of the reasons is probably they're like, who gives a shit? Like, Call of Duty movie is just a war movie. I know. Like, who cares? Like, that's been done a thousand times, and I guarantee better than whatever they're going to do for a Call of Duty movie with The Rock. What era do you think they're going to go? Because it could be any era with Call of Duty. Um, it could be go back to World War One. It could be in the future. The, uh, I mean, the conventional wisdom says you do modern warfare. Yeah, that's what I think, too. And he'll play soap. Or I mean, that's the B-roll that I pulled for it. <laughs> or maybe he'll be Captain Price. <laughs> so we definitely know. agree. That's the B-roll I pulled. I'm like, oh, Modern yeah. Warfare 2, I think, probably is right about where it's going to be. Um, so that's what I would guess too. That yeah, makes... I mean, the the invasion of America for Modern Warfare Two is probably about the right level of bombast for a modern hack. Like, you know, it's probably gonna who's gonna probably make that Roland Emmerich? I feel like it's probably his next project after this Moonfall crap. Yeah, I would guess. What an embarrassing! I know everything that is. Yep. 
And then and it, that's an original idea, yeah. and it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. So doesn't mean anything. Here's actually the game that I think could make the best TV show or film. It takes two. Yeah, it takes two is, is a solid idea. It was just announced yesterday that Hazelight signed a deal with that SJ2 or whatever it's mm-hmm. called, that studio that works on a lot of game stuff. Yeah. What I like about this, and I mentioned this in Good Morning Gaming today, is that it's not this deathly serious thing. It's like a comedy, like a sitcom. It'll be fun and funny and heartwarming. Everything that every other video game, movie, or TV show is not. Yeah. Well, there's like there's an element of this where it's like the premise. You could you could kind of see it being like a DreamWorks or a Pixar thing. Yes, like, absolutely. Like the, the 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 idea is fertile. It's like an anti buddy buddy. Maybe film. that's why you know I bet EA <laughs> doesn't really care about whether the sales did well or not because they he gave them this thing that they this can IP. shop around as a whole, th- whole a bigger IP. I agree. I think totally. Like I think this is a good fit actually. Yeah. No, I, of of everything announced for these things, I think this makes the most sense with maybe the exception of The Last of Us, but we'll see how that turns out. Yep. And then they announced that Mortal Kombat 2 is on the way. Sure. Which I'm totally not? fine with. I thought yeah. the last one was I good. It. it was fine. Yeah. yeah. I probably wouldn't have been happy if I had paid 50 bucks to go see it with my wife at the theater, but sitting at home watching it on HBO Go, I was totally cool yeah. with it. I mean, Mortal Kombat was my first movie back in theaters oh. after, the, after the lockdown. So it always had that special place in your heart. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it was exactly <laughs> the right piece of trash yeah. to go back because like, there's an element of like not being able to fully pay attention because like oh my god there's so many people I'm back in there there's too many people in, the in here yeah. Yeah. No, it wasn't That's there's too many people it was just like oh look at people like, oh, it was, like, actual people it, it was a novelty movies. it wasn't like yeah. it wasn't, I wasn't afraid of it but like <laughs> But no, I was I liked it. It was it was good. Like it was it was it was cl- it was clever stuff and fun stuff. And there was some funny stuff. I like I really liked uh, Kung Lao and and uh, Liu Kang. I enjoyed it. It was good. It was yeah. better than most gaming movies for sure. Like, but also, like Mortal Kombat has the advantage of being basically a game that they made out of like Enter the Dragon. You yeah. Know, like they, they you know Mortal Kombat's already influenced by by movies already. Like, yeah. That's the that comes from from kung fu movies and and ninja stuff and all. You know, yeah. It, well, and, just the and graphics so you just translate from the back. first game, the yeah. weird, like, stop motion, yeah. like, cell. I don't what, what did they call that style? That's just motion capture. That's just digitized motion. Yeah. That's actually using the, photographs yeah. of the video the characters. Footage. They yeah. just stuck them in front of a video camera, and it's that was crazy. it. <laughs> and then here's where it starts to get a little dicey Sleeping Dogs. There's a movie mm-hmm. in development for Sleeping Dogs. I mean, again, like, like Mortal Kombat, it's just drawing from existing films. No, I get it, but, but like, nobody even knows what Sleeping Dogs is. Like, it's it was never a big hit. Like, people like okay, us... Okay, but are we upset that they're not doing original stuff, or are they have, or what? You know, like... No, I'm it, just... Underst- I can't understand why they're needing to pull ideas and concepts from games like Sleeping Dogs. They're not. It's, it's They don't need to, but if you present to a studio executive here is this thing that's a big budget game that exists and has sold this many copies and if we make a movie out of it people will have already heard of it you can get money and funding that way but it didn't sell well and honestly but it sold a lot of copies for like four dollars each uh, you know i think it was i think it sold moved a lot of copies on deep discount uh, over the years especially the definitive edition but i'll be honest with you matt like a lot of times i forget what the name of this is i always have to ask like you or someone else what was that game that was like originally it was gonna be it was gonna be true crime streets of hong kong right (laughs) my point is like i'm really into this stuff and i hardly remember sleeping dogs i mean i remember sleeping i played sleeping dogs three times i I actually really liked it it's one of the reasons i'm excited about sifu Hmm. because there's a little bit of there is a little bit that kung fu thing to it Uh and i like i really like uh you know kung fu movies and and hong kong cinema and all that stuff i just got the the volume one of the the big uh shaw brothers studios uh blu-ray set with all those all those kung fu movies i used to watch 
um, and I love the old John Woo stuff. Like this was right up my alley. So yeah, I'm into it. Um, and if this is if if this pitch is what you need to do to get a movie like this off the ground with a big budget, sure, I guess. Like I don't think you know Sleeping Dogs is not as a, as an IP is not your ticket to to big money billion dollar box office, but it might be your ticket to get it made at all because it's a proven thing to someone who doesn't know anything about video games. Like that's what you got to keep in mind is like the people they're pitching this stuff to are just seeing a bunch of numbers on a paper. They don't necessarily know that no one who loves video games would necessarily call Sleeping Dogs one of the top IPs of whatever, you know? Yeah, but I mean, look, there are plenty of similar films that have their own Bach for example, that movie didn't need any sort of sure, but that was that was not made in America. I know, but still, it's a movie that did very well and became popular internationally. Even doesn't not matter. E- the people that are accepting these pitches don't know what that is, and it didn't do well here, so they don't care. Um, at best, you would be able to pitch a remake of it. You know what I mean? But this is—I I hear you. But this is again getting to the whole point of this, where these people are looking at a bunch of numbers on a paper because they can't come up with better ideas on their own. No, They're about to not, make a film it. about this no, marginal game that I can't even remember the title it's of. It's not about time. not being able to come up with ideas. They don't care about ideas. They are looking for something that is going to be a hit and be a proven investment. That has nothing to do with coming up with ideas. But I just don't understand how Sleeping Dogs is a, can rationalize that. Because they were able to show them a bunch of sales numbers that seems to indicate to them that it's a popular thing and it would be less of a risk than making something exactly like it that is not called something that people already know. Okay, That's how, all it is. How about Disco Elysium then? Because they're making a movie about – Disco- honestly, this may be the best movie of them all. Yeah, Disco Elysium <laughs> actually has – The opportunity uh, to be a potential. good film. I mean, it's, yeah. it's literally just – I mean, Disco Elysium in some ways, when you think about it, is just a 14-hour monologue. Yeah. Um, it, could be, it could be a good stage play. Um, Disco Elysium – so I didn't know they were making a movie out of this. So yeah. I don't know what studio It's the same is. one that's working on – it's S2J or whatever it's okay, called. Okay, so that yeah. someone there probably just knows what this game is mm-hmm. and knows that they can make something crazy out of it. Yeah, um, but how do you sell that to a studio? Like, In this case, I think you just pitch how weird it is. <laughs> like, Disco Elysium is probably not a case of, like, you know, like – brand recognition it's just like wow this is weird and like you know instead of making up a whole world we could just take this one and run with it you know because the setting of Disco Elysium is actually really interesting you could tell a lot more stories with that Who knows yeah I mean I, like as I said when I started talking about it it's probably like the most likely to actually make a good movie yeah. other than maybe it takes two but I just in this case it's probably not even it's just like this is this actually is a good idea right so like you're gonna take that and license it and make a movie out of it like it's, that's classic Classic Godfather style, right there. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that Hollywood is in. I do. I understand it's a law of diminishing returns. As long as time goes on, it gets more and more difficult to create something unique because people are always trying to do it. Mm-hmm. I get that angle of it, but it really just feels like it's just reached the dead end at this point. For what? For unique ideas in their content. Like I just feel like everything is a rehash of something that was made before, or it's a reboot. Or it's based on a comic, or it's based on that's a video game. That's again because you're only looking at the tentpole stuff that comes out like every couple of weeks. Maybe you're, th- you're thinking about like 30 movies in a year. 150 movies come out a year, and are all of them winners? No, but there's a bunch of you know, you're, you're leaving out stuff like The Lighthouse, yeah, and like the crazy stuff like that, or or anything that uh, Paul Paul Dump- Thomas Anderson makes, or uh, or Wes Anderson, or um, yeah, kind of thing, you know, like or uh, Edgar Wright. Just came out well, last night in Soho. That's a whole 
whole separate thing. But you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have known about it necessarily unless you were paying attention because it's not a Marvel movie. It's not a DC movie. It's not. So do you think big and budget? Also, look, I don't think the films are dog, always going to be based on existing stuff. Now, do you think that's just going to be the way it is? It's been that way for a very long time. At the very least, even when you're talking about original, some Tom Cruise stuff isn't. Or wait, maybe it is actually. I just don't know it. <laughs> I mean, Tom Cruise has two Mission Impossible movies well, and a Top Gun sequel coming. Um, what, to think was, of... what was the one where he lived in that house? It was like up in the sky. Um, Oblivion, maybe. It had two different titles. It had one oh, title uh, in the U.S. Um, and then one uh, title tomorrow. Yeah, that was that was the original IP. No, right? that was based on a Japanese was manga. It? Oh, okay. <laughs> light novel. It was a, a light novel. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so it just seems like so if you don't see if you don't know it wasn't based on something, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Um, this is you know basing things on video games tends to be more cynical, um, and they must see some because video part of it's just because video games are such a big business that I think studio executives believe that there must be a golden ticket somewhere in there to like find the the winning formula, just like you had to find the winning winning formula for for uh, superhero movies, mm-hmm. um, which took a while. Like you had Batman '89, which probably gave, which gave you sort of the uh, Avi Arad formula for for how you do a superhero movie, and then you had. Um, uh, Blade saved that from oblivion, and then Spider-Man taught you that you could actually do, and X-Men to some degree, mostly Spider-Man taught you that you could be true to the comic book and not bomb, and then uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe turned into a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone's people are basically looking for that Batman 89 for video game movies. Mm-hmm. Um, will they find it? I don't know. Will they find it among this group? Seems more likely TV shows. I think Halo and Last of Us are going to have more of an impact in that regard. And also I think TV, you know, the streaming prestige TV, TV series I think is a more accurate fit to most video game stories. I agree. Um, yeah. Just because video game stories tend to be drawn out yeah. and, and They more, take 40 hours yeah, to experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's more you can do with the characters there. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so I think that's probably true. Uh, and uh, and look, like it goes all of and, and one of the biggest things you have to remember right now is because everything costs so much because there's no real B tier anymore. You, yeah. ha- you either you're either you're spending, either indie or yeah, you're either spending ten to twenty million or you're spending two hundred million. Yeah. And so I want to read you. I can't. I don't know where I where this came from. I can't remember where I screenshotted it from. But I screenshotted it from an an article about. Um, the movies that Mattel has in the pipeline, and <laughs> I read I Mattel, the toy company yeah. Mattel. I and I read this paragraph, and I think I went insane for a time. <laughs> so I'm just going to read this to you. Okay. This is real. All right. This is not made up. Warner Brothers is in prep for Barbie, starring Margot Robbie and a Barbie Ryan, movie movie starring Mar- Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, directed by Greta Gertwig who co-wrote the screenplay with partner Noah Baumbach. Noah Baumbach wrote The Squid and the Whale. What? And if you don't know what that is, look it up and look at the awards. Uh, that is wow. that is ma- I mean, he also did was a credit as a co-writer on Madagascar 3, so like the, he, he's paying the bills. Like, you know, no no hate. There. Yeah. But that is a change. They are also at script stage on a Hot Wheels film. What is that? How do you make a film about Hot Wheels? I don't Wheels? know. Like, we kind of did that already. Work? It was called Speed Racer and it bombed. It- which actually, it's great. Speed yeah, Racer is great, say, like, but it's it really underrated that yeah. movie. In yeah. July, Netflix will shoot the anticipated remount of Masters of the Universe with Kyle Allen starring as the buff blonde He Man. That I can get. That I can see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We've done that before. Yeah. Uh, Universal Pictures is at work on a horror franchise based on the Magic Eight Ball with Blumhouse. Wait a minute. 
How do you make a movie about a magic eight ball? I assume any if you get a bad answer from the magic eight ball, you die or something. It's like a Ouija board <laughs> thing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And that this is where I started to lose my mind wait, right here. Mattel in the Mattel was paid money for that license yeah, to the, the license magic, of the magic eight, ball. eight ball. Yeah. And the studio oh, is bringing Rock'em Sock'em robots to life with Vin Diesel. At Paramount, Tom Hanks will embody his childhood favorite Major Matt Mason, the astronaut action figure, which is before our time. Matt, even. isn't this kind of making my point for me, We're though? Not, no, because... They're the, making a movie about a magic eight the ball. The toy stuff is bizarre. I mean, <laughs> with a beautiful mind screenwriter, Akiva Goldsman, on that one. Now, Akiva Goldsman also wrote some of the worst movies ever made, so not, it's not yeah. a super drop there. Because um, he also wrote Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, let's yeah. not go, and Lost in Space. Like, let's not go crazy. And MGM... And MGM will put forth Polly Pocket with writer-director Lena Dunham and star Lily Collins. And and that's where we are. And so after you read that, you still will say that Hollywood is not creatively bankrupt. Well, Mattel has like No, I'm not, because that's Mattel saying, please make movies out of our stupid things. But they're things. doing we'll get, it. They're giving them money to do it. Oh, wait, Mattel's paying them. These projects, most of these projects will never come to come to fruition. Oh, they're, I thought that they were forming, paying Mattel for the They're forming partnerships, like Transformers. Oh, okay, okay. The idea okay. is you get that them to make a sense. movie, and the movie raises the, the, the profile of the brand, and you make a ton of money on merchandise, and the studio makes money on the box office. Right. That's, that's the deal. They sell that's a what, bunch of Magic 8 balls. Right. <laughs> That's but also it's like okay Nuts. how how in the world does a Hot Wheels movie improve sales of Hot Wheels like aren't Hot Wheels already kind of popular with every child in yeah. existence like, I mean what? I buy them every Christmas right, for my nephews right. so what is a hot, what Some is the expenditure of the expenditure you have to lay out both you both Mattel and the studio to make a Hot Wheels movie on the level that you'd have to make to be at a, a blockbuster. What is that? Even, why even bother? I don't know. Like that's my forget the Hollywood bankrupt creative <laughs> things. Like, what do you people do? Like, do you know. just do you have too much money? Because I can help you get rid of yeah, some of that. Yeah, we all could. Yeah, think it's of nuts. I it's probably bizarre. described three billion dollars worth of budget off of just off that paragraph. It's like just throw five hundred thousand at us. Like, we'll make crazy. it something better than that. It's nuts. So anyway, I so don't know get, how much you guys like or dislike the various. Like I did like the new Witcher season. Have you watched that yet? No, I have not. Okay. Well, I thought I'm not going to share any spoilers then. But I thought it was good. I didn't think it was as good as the first season, and I feel like it ended quite abruptly. But it was still really good. So there are some examples. I don't know how you guys feel. Maybe you guys are liking all the gaming movies and TV shows that are coming out. We are definitely going to get a whole lot more of them. I mean, uh, I'm sure the uh, they got to be better than Pixels. Yeah. Maybe. Let's I, go to Pixels chat, is one actually. of the worst things I've ever seen. So I'm... I'm uh, Adam Sandler was uh, not hitting him out of the park at the time. <laughs> Nox Andronitis says, making movies about an eight ball is actually the opposite of creatively bankrupt. Yeah, so I was going to say. Maybe they, maybe they just change it to enchanted cocaine. <laughs> because you'd have to be so creative to make a film about a magic yeah. eight ball. You'd have to be a genius. The, and the thing is, because that's attached to Blumhouse, that's the one that has the best chance of actually coming out. That's hilarious. Uh. He says, hey, if you want an original idea, make a movie about an eight ball. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, wasn't there already a Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie with Hugh Jackman? Yeah, that, the real steel. It, but, but it wasn't. It, was, it wasn't based on Rock'em But again. I can see where he thought that's what it was, though. Oh, no, it's definitely the same concept. So yeah. it was Robot Jocks while we're at it. Yeah. Who remembers Robot Jocks? Yeah. yeah. I do not, actually. That was a terrible mech. That was the first, maybe the first use of like piloted mechs in a Western movie. It was like 90. I was in high school when that came out. Um, Lazily Diligent. I'm loving The Witcher show, but it has a leading man who loves the IP and fights for it. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, The Witcher has really benefited from the fact that uh, Henry Cavill is a giant nerd. <laughs> this has become a running joke in the chat. I've actually got a killer concept for an eight-ball movie. Mm-hmm. Slag of Thor. <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, it, love it or hate them. Love them or hate them. You're going to get a lot more gaming movies and TV shows coming up. Like, I'll say this. Like, I always at least watch them out of curiosity. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them I may not make it more than 20 minutes in or whatever before I turn it off. But I do always give them a chance. Yeah, so, I mean. And that's more than, like, if I go through Netflix and I'm looking at all the movies, like, that's more than I can say than most of the stuff I just keep browsing right mm-hmm. past. Just because it's just a bunch of just junk. Yeah. <laughs> Typically. I'm waiting for the Tetris movie. Oh, <laughs> is that <it's> actually <laughs> happening, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's been talked about several yeah, times. Yeah, I've heard yeah. it talked about before. It's nuts. So they made a battleship movie. How hard is it now to get? They did. How hard is it now? Rampage. They made a rampage, yeah, rampage movie. movie. Yeah. How hard is it, it took now? Took me a trailer and a half to figure out. Oh, that's actually based on the game. That's so weird. <laughs> How hard is it now? Or is it impossible to pitch a script for a new IP uh, with, for a big budget budget film? You you have to be an established person. You have to be a Christopher Nolan or mm. a. Roland who Dem- believes Roland in the Emmerich. project or whatever? Uh, you know, bat Moonfall it. is a new is new IP. Yeah, that's not based on anything, as far as I know. Yeah, uh, it looks terrible, but it's it's a new. Con- there's your new idea, kids. Go go see go see Moonfall if you want to support originality. Yeah. Um, and there are some like what's that movie about uh, with Sandra Bullock where she's trapped in space? Gravity. Gravity. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't Every super high budget. Every once in a while, like, stuff like that comes around. Well, Gravity but... was, I mean, Gravity was not a cheap movie, but it was more not expected to be the hit it was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and then there's the one where Matt Damon goes to space and, like, grows, like. Well, The a... Martian was based on a book. Oh, and, it was. Uh, okay. See, I don't even know a lot yeah. of this stuff. Martian's is... based on a book, and it was a Ridley Scott film. That's why it got mm-hmm. made, is Ridley Scott yeah. wanted to do it. Yeah. Big um, directors. Yeah. Okay. Probably don't have a lot of, you know, Ridley Scott and Scorsese are probably not champing at the bit to make a, uh, I don't know, Gears of War movie or something, which is what I thought that the uh, rock thing was going to be. Yeah. I actually called Call of Duty. I don't know why. It just popped into my head. Because, honestly, he doesn't seem like a good fit for Call of Duty. He's, the, like, too yeah. big. Yeah. I was, the ro- <laughs> when he said, like, I figured it was Gears of War because he just looks like about the size of a Gears of War <clears> guy. My second guess was God of War because he would make a pretty good Kratos. Yeah... You know who I'd... I mean, I don't know if he can act, but you know who I'd... If I, well, was I don't know if The Rock can act. <laughs> yeah, he'd be okay. Uh, you know who I'd pick uh, to play Kratos uh, out of out of the wrestler-turned-actor stable? Triple H. Yeah. Triple H has the, has the, the yeah, haggardness <laughs> of... The, you you weighed him down in all the beard and everything, and he would definitely look like Kratos. Yep. Okay, we got to move on. We're running out of time. Uh, but anyway, again... If you love video game movies, you're going to have a great couple years coming up. There's tons of stuff and coming out. Of course, out. we haven't even seen what Kojima's working on. Right. With his movie studio. Oh, jeez. Well, you know what it's going to be. It's going to be something based on one of his properties. It's not. I doubt it'll be something original. It's going to be a, a, a... Well, it was never anything original. Metal Gear, Metal Gear is literally escaped from New York. Right. Like, basically, like... Repurposed. With the, with the serial number filed off. Yeah. So, um, there's a you go back to the early Kojima stuff and it's just like I don't know how anybody didn't sue you. I know he rips stuff. Just Blade Snatcher Runner. is just Blade Runner. Uh-huh. It's just Blade Runner. Yeah, like not even. But you really can't get it. sued for stuff like that. Very hard. well. Also, really nobody hard. knew what it was at the time. You know, yeah, that, that was like you know you, you there's a whole thing on YouTube where if you go and you look you can look up like old video game music that sounds exactly like pop music at the time. Uh huh. And like some of it's pretty obscure music, but some of it's like you know main, you know there's a bunch of like. 
uh, there's a bunch of songs from there's a Mega Man. I can't remember which one. One of the Mega Man uh, levels in one or two is literally Journeys faithfully played yeah. faster, <laughs> and it's like well, it's, it's like Vanilla Ice with Queen. Well, like no, that, he changes one note well, no, in the bass sample. line. These, the, these are these are this these are actually stealing the melody, like the, the actual melody, or yeah. like uh, Evangelion, the original Evangelion. Uh, there was a, a theme they played during. Um, the uh, like when they're preparing the mechs and doing all that, and it's literally the James Bond, not the James Bond, da da da, like that. But it's it's the, it's the the dun, music that dun, plays when James. No, 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 that's yeah. Mission Impossible. That's Mission Impossible. It was, yeah. It's a it's a James. It's James. If you go to uh, from Russia with love, um, it's just called James Bond in the soundtrack. But it's it's like him sneaking around, and it's like it's a very percussion heavy theme. And like they had to license it in the end because like it was a basically a thing where it's like we didn't think anyone was ever gonna notice because it wasn't gonna play outside of Japan and nobody would care. And it mm-hmm. but then became an international phenomenon. And video games did that too. Same reason that the covers of a bunch of NES games are literally traces of movie posters. It's really hard to prosecute that. Like Vanilla Ice I yeah. think won his case because he changed one note in that baseline. Yeah well that was the, that, well that was the uh, the fight over sampling mm-hmm. at the time. Except I don't um, think that was a sample. I think that they redid it, the baseline, and just mm, changed one note, mm, so that I mean, they. Could I mean, get that away was with a, there were a bunch of lawsuits about stuff yeah. like that at the time. Yeah. Millions, you never know. Like, what was it? What was the? I know that was. What was a bittersweet symphony? Like, the, <laughs> they they got no money from that because they decided the, the the like a drum fill was identical to the way the Roller, Rolling Stones did it, and so yeah. they got all the all the money for that. Yep, great song though. I'm so just anyway. saying that somebody probably sh- should have sued the Contra co- cover because, or yeah, Contra was like it's just it's just Schwarzenegger and uh, and Stallone, yeah, basically blatant. Yep. All right, it's time to move on. We're going to talk next about a game that was announced this week, probably the biggest game announcement from the week, and that is Crisis Four. Matt, what do you remember about Crisis? Um, I remember can can it run Crisis? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was like a benchmark for PCs. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, you know switching the abilities in the suit, uh, and I remember. Well, I, I mean, I played Crisis One and Two, the remasters, not too long ago. Oh, you did when, they came, when I came out. Um, what did you think of not them? all the way? I, Going back to them, it's weird because like because I've been conditioned by modern games the way I have, I was playing them as stealth games. Like, I was trying to sneak around and kill guys before they saw me. And eventually I was like, oh, right, I'm supposed to run in and blow them away. I'm, yeah. like, I'm supposed to use the powers of the suit and be more powerful yeah. and shoot everybody and not, like, sneak around and do everything perfectly. Um, so I had to kind of relearn that. And then, like, um, that was weird. Uh, it's, a di- it's from a different era. It's from a different time. Like, they are. And so I... I, I'm shocked that this series is coming back. I'll be honest. I mean, I assume it's going to be very different. It's never sold very well at all. Yeah, they got three of them made, though. I know. And I remember... I remember being surprised that three was getting made. I remember surprised this, the second one was being made. Like, because mm-hmm. the first one was, like, a technical marvel. Yeah. But it didn't sell especially well. No. And most well, in part because nobody could run it. it. Yeah. yeah. Like, it why would like, you buy something you couldn't run? You couldn't run? even play. Yeah. And, and it, it wasn't good enough to buy a new graphics card for. Right. That was the real problem. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a revolution in terms of being a game. Play. It was just like a visual. Yeah, it was how a you play it. Yeah. And I remember Chell came by, our buddy Chell, who works in PR, came by to show me the second game. And, like, I remember it was one of the most convoluted and complicated control schemes that anyone, as someone had ever demoed to me before. Like, to the point mm-hmm. where he's like, most of the people on this tour aren't playing the game. They're just letting me play it. And I was like, that's really bad, dude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, especially if you're playing keyboard and mouse, like, like Crisis 1, 2 and 3 are, like, typing. Yeah. Because you got to constantly be switching. Right. Uh, switching Through all your bionic and abilities and, and all your this powers. Up, put that, you know, and, like, let that recharge. And, I mean, it's, 
It's a lot. But it like does, you, it barely maps on a controller. Right. Like but like you, Matt, like I ask you, what do you remember about Crisis? Uh, you remember that it was a benchmark for PCs. And that's yeah. in me too. And like aliens invaded at some point. But right, can you remember really anything about it? It's just completely forgettable. Not really, yeah. What we're seeing here, this is Crisis 3, also completely forgettable. I remember for a time I, th- I thought it was like a follow-up to Far Cry. Right. Because <laughs> the first Far Cry was basically Crisis 0. It was, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, wasn't far until Far Cry 2 when the Cry, Far Cry the Crytek guys left the franchise. That, like Far Cry 2 found the formula that become modern Far Cry. Yeah, that's The first true. one was basically Crisis. Like you went through a big open forested jungle area and ended up fighting monsters by the end. Yeah, I mean, I just... I, I, I remember more about Far Cry than any of these. Right. I, I don't remember hardly anything about them because they're so forgettable. There's nothing special yeah, about I would never them. have known which one this is from. Right. I could have shown you this, and you would have never known which of the three games it was no. from. No clue. And I think most people feel the same way. Like, there's there's some idea. Like, I know three emphasize the bow more. The bow was kind of a big deal in all of them, I thought. Yeah, not more in two and three because it was sort of following the trend at the time for having bows and everything. But three, three put the bow on the cover. I remember yeah, that. Maybe. But it's just, uh, why would this be revived, Matt? Because it's like just like we were you've talking heard about of earlier. It. Because you've heard of it. That's it. And even for games, it's better to just have a yep. name, yep. even if it's not a name that engenders positive feelings from consumers. Yep. yep. That's crazy. I mean, you've heard of it. You're already you're already further along than you would be if you hadn't heard of it. But if you have negative connotations towards it, I don't know if people have negative connotations. I don't even I don't know if I have any connotations to this. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, kind of neutral on it. I feel I feel like it's feel like the what was that um, was it Good Burger the movie where the where uh, he looks at the paper and he goes I know some of these words like that's how I feel about <laughs> Crisis. So do you think that they need to completely ditch what it was before? I mean, I think they need to revamp it into basically Far Cry. Yeah, like yeah. They, like uh, running gun stuff doesn't really isn't really a thing anymore. Yeah, I, mean, I guess you could try to make it like that. I mean, like, but if you do run and gun, you're up against Doom and Doom Eternal, and you're never going to make a Crisis game as good as Doom Eternal. So, or like, you could theoretically, but they're not. They're not. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I um. I've never been excited for this franchise. Like, I really just thought it was gone for good. I really didn't expect it to ever come back. Yeah, I wasn't even aware of who owned it anymore. Yeah. Was this take, is it Take-Two? It's EA, isn't EA? it? Is it EA? Oh, yeah, EA, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I believe Electronic Arts still, still ah, owns the IP. So, so not only that, it's about EA making a game that isn't Battlefield or Madden or FIFA. Yeah. That's a landmark. <laughs> Everyone in the chat is saying the only thing I know about it is that Digital Foundry loves it. Oh yeah, Digital, <laughs> because they use it for benchmark. their benchmarks. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's still a good benchmark game. <laughs> yeah, especially when they up, they I think you put ray tracing in it, and it's even Jerry yeah. Jerry Boulet, I believe that's the right way to pronounce his name. Says Crisis One was great in terms of open of open world shooter. Crisis Two had moments, but forgettable. Crisis Three was better than Two. I am happy we we will get four. Wow. Uh, Vincent is saying Crytek self-published the mm. remakes, so it looks like it actually owns the IP now. That is interesting. Which explains everything. Yeah. That's why it's coming back, because Crytek owns it, and it's what they've got. Okay. That makes everything make yeah. more sense now. Um, and the evil, evil Oni 5 might have a point there, too. They, they're feeling left out in the dev purchase wars. Trying oh. to make themselves more attractive. Oh, you think this may be to drum up? Hey, look what, what, could we, what could we can do. Yeah. That's true. 
I mean, it is crazy that they created a game that's like 15 something oh, years no, old. Oh no, we got bought by Nintendo. And some PC, <laughs> <laughs> and some PC still can't run it. <laughs> Think about that. The game's yeah. like 15, 20 years old, and there's still a lot of PCs yeah. that are being built now that cannot run the game. Meanwhile, you can run Doom on toasters. Right. Actual yeah. toasters. Real, like your refrigerator. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. Refrigerators nuts. can run. Uh, birth control tests or uh, pregnancy yeah, tests that's can, right. can run you Doom. Run Doom. <laughs> that's nuts. And uh, here's Carmack is a wizard. Yeah, I, I gotta give him that. Here's the here actually is the first crisis, the benchmark, which now you look at it, it's like really. And also, it's like the physics, like nobody was, you know, it was like a use of physics that just didn't exist. The shadows. That's really what brought yeah GPUs to their knees was the physics and the, physics the lighting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, where would you put your hype level for Crisis Four on a scale of one to ten, Matt? I don't know, somewhere like east of Pomona. <laughs> like, I give it a four. Yeah, it's about so. where I'm at on Crisis at this point. Like, I think you could revamp this into something really cool. Um, I just don't know if Bionic will. Soldier Shooter. Yeah, like, you know, type like, thingy. Like a super powered Far Cry. Cool. Like I'm into that. But like I, you know, just even having recently gone back to the remakes, like they don't feel good. Yeah, they they feel slippery and thin. If mm-hmm. that makes any sense. Thin. Like it just feels everything feels like it's made out of paper or sort something. Of, yeah, like I don't get a sense of like concreteness from the world or from the character or anything like that. A little bit like sometimes when you like weight the character down with the shield, that you know the hardening ability. Yeah. But like in general, it just all felt very flimsy. Okay. Especially when you ran, when you sprinted. Like I never felt like in control really. Well, that's because you're bionic and like. If you use the abilities while you're running, it was very hard to control. Yeah. But I liked that. That felt realistic to me because, especially at first, hollow. When, That's a good description. Yeah, Andy, Andy, Andy Monahan. No, I, I, I get what that means, but realistic doesn't always mean good. Um, like Master Chief is also bionic, but it doesn't feel like that when he runs. No, and when he slides, and all yeah. that, I feel in control of it. I thought it made sense at the beginning of crisis when you first get the abilities and you're like whoa like mm-hmm. how do i handle this stuff but you're right keeping it that way throughout the entirety of the game made no sense whatsoever so i'm right there with you but anyway crisis 4 a long ways away we showed you the teaser trailer for it they didn't even show a lick of in-game footage yet my guess is best case scenario mid 2024 q4 2024 something like that before we actually see it maybe at e3 we get the first look at the actual game if there isn't any sort of E3, whatever the hell ends up happening in June, we'll see. Go ask Jeff. <laughs> Go ask Keeley. He'll tell you. Uh, but anyway, I just wanted to get that on your radar. Crisis 4 is on the way. Uh, let's move on. We're going to talk, lastly, about a new wave that I believe was started. Actually, it's hard to say who started it. Maybe Ubisoft started it. And that is the recent trend of having... Tons of studios working on one game. Um, I mean, I associate that with Call of Duty. Right, but did Ubisoft do it first? I think I think COD split things up between like Treyarch and Sledgehammer and Infinity Ward, and then eventually everything just started crossing over. And then every time one of their other companies, like Raven or or High Moon, would make something that didn't perform up to snuff, they just get folded into the machine. Oh. And like like High Moon's been making like. Hyman's been making like maps or whatever for Call of Duty games since 2012. Has it been that long now? Since since Fall Cybertron didn't perform, yeah, it's been like 10 years. Yeah, that would be b- probably too. before UB started pulling in like all their teams to finish games. Yeah, certainly before that became like the standard UB format. Right. I mean, they they clearly had international teams working on like Assassin's Creed and the big guns, but like 
it, I think it's only until in those the last like five to seven years that you're seeing like everything they make yeah. has like everybody from all over the world on it. Well, what prompted this discussion, Matt, <clears throat> is that this week it was uncovered that 11 studios are working on Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, the mm-hmm. reboot of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, which is this year's Call of Duty release. 11 studios. Do you foresee that continuing with new ownership? Probably not. Um, not that not of that size. Anyway, I, I feel like you you need to dedicate these teams to think. You know, make a Call of Duty team. Um, maybe they can be all over the world, and they'd be different. You know, there's a COD LA and a COD uh, Singapore and a COD whatever. You know, but you know they should all be dedicated to it. I guess. I mean, you know, Ubisoft proves it can work. Like you know, you don't you don't those, those games don't feel made by a whole bunch of different things. No, I do. Look, I do feel like, particularly with Vanguard, I really felt like I could see the game was made by different teams. Mm. Like, it didn't feel consistent across all the different modes. The multiplayer, the campaign, mm. and the zombies. And yeah. I mean, I haven't played that, but like, I, th- I think I, it probably depends on the project. Like, I don't, I can't really see the seams on something like Watch Dogs Legion or, um, or Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, but those only really have one mode, right? Right. Yeah, but you're right. Those are pretty consistent. Like, I don't, I don't remember finding parts of those games where I was like, this part seems out of place. Yeah. But like, six hundred people worked on those games all around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the question I have is like, okay, so you've got eleven teams on Call of Duty to end up with what? Call of Duty again, right? Why you know it used to just be Infinity Ward made these things. Why why does it take this many people to make something that you should have? Because they want it out every year, right? Instead of because if it's Infinity Ward, you can so, only get it every so two the, or three years. So are there, but yeah, but that's why they brought in Treyarch uh, to make alternate ones, and then Sledgehammer to do every third year. Um, but now you okay, so you have eleven teams on next year's as well like, like i don't you know, know how that works when yeah. they switch over and all the whole i mean i'm sure I, I figure it's just like an assembly line thing like these you've got the lead team which is you know would have been uh, infinity ward or treyarch or sledgehammer and then you've got all these subsidiary teams that just do the grunt work for them it's like you're like okay well this is infinite warfare is going to be this okay well this team over here makes the makes the texture stuff and this team over here handles the back end and this team over here deals with the UI and this team over here does the, you know, and meanwhile the, the main team is kind of designing the levels and designing the gameplay and the kind of the, the meat and potatoes. Um, that would be my guess of how that works. Um, sometimes the Ubisoft things seem to even have, you know, there's a whole separate music team that isn't even related. Like, you know, whereas like Infinity Ward used to do that in house. Um, I mean, it's just, it feels like an assembly line to me, you know, everybody, yeah. everyone makes a different part of it and it all <clears throat> comes together or it doesn't. And Call of Duty, to me, actually the last few entries, I felt like the disparate mm-hmm. parts of the game did not feel like a cohesive whole. Yeah, well, and to say nothing of the zombie stuff, which is a whole separate thing that probably other teams work on all on their own. Like They do. I mean, typically, the zombies mode is almost always handled by Treyarch, yeah. regardless of whether it's Treyarch's game or not. And it doesn't always fit with the other parts of the game. It stands out to me anyway. Yeah, so you've got like a group at Treyarch that's making the next Call of Duty main thing, but you've also got a group at Treyarch that just eternally works on zombie stuff and yeah. that kind of thing. So like... I mean, yeah. It's not ideal. No, I wouldn't think so. And right now, Perfect Dark now has three studios working on it. The Mm -hmm. new Perfect Dark. So you have The Initiative, which is the new studio here in L.A. that was supposed to build the game. Three weeks ago, we find out that Crystal Dynamics has moved over and started helping them. And now a third studio. We found that a long time ago. Was it that long ago? It was months ago. Was it months ago? 
And now we find out that a third studio has jumped on Perfect Dark as well, which to me is a huge red flag. Like, to me, that shows that they're having problems developing the game. Or they're trying to get it out much more quickly than they normally would have if they built it by themselves. Maybe. Or maybe they're doing the same thing they're doing with Call of Duty, where they're, they have one team working on the campaign, one team working on multiplayer. That's probably something of, of, of along the lines of what's happening. Also, like, I would imagine some of that's got to be people putting their heads together to make Perfect Dark something anybody cares about in 2022. Mm-hmm. Like, you gotta you got to figure out a way to, make, to give that thing a hook that anyone's going to look at it twice, and I don't know what that is. I don't either. I don't know what it would be at this point, because Joanna's not enough. No. Um... It is an espionage franchise. Right. And but honestly, also, there aren't that many of those anymore no, that actually I mean, I do this, the espionage part of it. I assume this is, a, this is kind of a start over sort of thing. But I was like, one of the hooks of, of, of Perfect Dark was sort of like it was sort of playing on the X-Files kind of like government conspiracy thing. And I don't think that really plays the same way now because mm-hmm. people think that shit's real. So <laughs> right. like, It's not a parody anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, it, I, I, I think you're going to see increasingly people just sort of moving, you know, team members over as they need to to like finish this or, or, or you know, like the, I don't, I don't think it's it's not a red flag to me that someone brought in a cleanup hitter, um, but like you know, who knows what's happening? With perfect. I don't have any faith in the Perfect Dark game just on the back of the fact that I don't think Perfect Dark has ever been particularly good, um, and I don't see what the even if you did think it was good, I don't know what the relevance of it is now. Well, I think it was it was good back in 2001 or whenever it came out. I never liked it very much. I mean, I didn't like it as much as Goldeneye, but it was still, if you compare it to other shooters, it was t- at the top of the pile. I mean... Not on PC. Yeah. I guess it depends. But... I might I, have liked it better if it didn't run like crap, but by the time I was able to run it well on Rare Replay, I didn't care anymore because it was yeah. 15 years later. Yeah, and that's true. I mean, we were talking earlier about N64 games running at 15 frames per second. Mm-hmm. Perfect Dark, uh, actually all Rare's games are the poster child for that on the N64. Yeah, Rare Rare always pushed a little further than they probably should have. Yep. Um, which at the time was kind of admirable, but it didn't age very well. And if you look back, Resident Evil 6, that game was built by multiple teams. And mm-hmm. if there is any game in the history of the gaming industry where it is blatantly obvious that you had multiple teams working on the same project and then snapping all their pieces together, it was Resident Evil 6. Mm-hmm. Because... And Capcom... I never felt like Capcom had the infrastructure for that right. to begin with. Like, yeah, they, not they, like Ubisoft. Yeah. This old, that was a long time ago. That was before Ubisoft started doing what yeah, it's that was doing. like, what, like 2011? Yeah, I mean, that was really innovative at the time for game development, to have mm-hmm. your other... St- your bunch yeah. of your studios looked, working on one project. And on paper, it looks like, oh, you, there's three different characters, and they all play totally differently, have very different approaches to how their campaigns work. It's like, okay, cool, but the, like, what you didn't know is it just kind of created this weird dissonance. Yeah, when you all. snap them together, yeah. it does. They don't fit. Mm-hmm. You have this one part that feels like classic Resident Evil. You have this other part that feels like the more action-heavy Resident yeah. Evil 5. Chris Redfield punching boulders. Yeah, like, it's like, it, just, it just didn't fit because you have so many did did you guys all ever have a phone call or anything about this because i feel like you were making very different games yeah it feels like it's hit or miss and it's really crazy when you think back matt did you know that 30 people built sonic adventure uh for the dreamcast i didn't know the number but that makes 30 people was not a huge team 30 people made that game Mm -hmm. and that wasn't that long ago it was 98 99 i guess 98 yeah. yeah Things have changed so drastically in a short period of time, and I don't know if all of it's for the better. Um, this is going to keep happening. Do you think it's a good way to develop games? Maybe it's a good way to develop I don't, I don't single think player a, games. I don't think there's an answer to that. I think it's, yeah. it's good if it works, and it's bad if it didn't. Just like when you do it with one team. Why do you think it does work in some cases and doesn't work in others? 
Um, why does it work with one team sometimes and not with others? Why is Crisis 2 not good, even though it was made by one team? Yeah. Like, it's just some games are good, some games are bad. Projects have problems. Ideas don't come to fruition. Like, you know, I think it does help if you have an infrastructure in place, you know what you're doing, and kind of, like, worked out a way for all these teams to communicate properly. Yeah, because uh, technology has changed as well yeah. since then. Like, it's much easier point, to collaborate. With everybody working from home for the last two years, like, you basically are all separate teams at this Yeah, I mean, point. you're basically making games on Slack and Zoom yeah. at this point. Yeah. yeah. If, you're, if you're on Discord, you're part of a separate team, basically. Like, yeah. What's yeah. the difference at that point? It's not, you know, the, the being all in the same building in the same city doesn't really matter anymore. It doesn't matter. When you're all just... sharing the same assets, and there's also an element. I'm sure this is part of Ubisoft's strategy, because they, they you know, you're, it's not just like oh, Montreal and LA and they're going to work on that. No, it's going to be Montreal and LA and San Francisco and Singapore and Shanghai and Paris. And and what's the outcome of that? There is always someone working on the game 24 seven. When this team goes to sleep, this other team gets up, looks at what was done, and continues from there. I think that can present a lot of problems as well. Back in the day when we were redesigning game trailers and we were being forced to redesign it and put it onto the Viacom platform, we had people in Belarus who worked overnight. And it sucked because you come in in the morning and they completely screw something Mm -hmm. up and work on it for eight hours. And there was nobody there in the first hour to say, no, 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 that's wrong. Don't keep doing that. And they would just work the whole day on something that would just had to be scrapped the next day. So there's, I think, mostly negatives when you try to work that way. I know technology has certainly helped um, with Zoom and all these other mm-hmm. platforms that you can I use mean, now to collaborate. Also, I mean, there, there are no games made now that aren't multiple teams, really. Like, your favorite games of last year and the years before were all, I mean, God of War had a bunch of teams on it. Did it? Yeah. Look at their credits. They've got credits for almost every all these assisting teams and all this. So, yeah, no, no I game actually is, didn't notice that. No game is made without outsourcing at the AAA level. Oh yeah, I mean you have studios that are just making assets or whatever. They're building mm-hmm. like desks or chairs right. or tables. But that might be or, what's happening here with Perfect Dark. We don't know what they're doing. It would be hard to imagine bringing studios in like that for such mundane. I mean, tasks. Perfect Dark's thing feels like some kind of conceptual issue. Um, but like in terms of something like. Uh, Call of Duty, it's just, you know, I think it's just people making assets around the clock. Yeah. It's a sweatshop, basically. Yeah. Um, and Activision... But I don't expect a lot of artistic integrity out of Call of Duty, so what do, you, what do you want? Actually, Activision may have started doing that first with the Tony Hawk franchise. Yeah. And they started yeah, bringing was, in other other smaller studios to help Neversoft finish yeah. up some of those early Tony Hawk games. That may have been the first time that really multi-platform or multi-developer development became mm-hmm. a thing. Um but it's interesting. It is a relatively recent phenomenon in the industry, and it just seems to be getting bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And some, most of the biggest publishers are doing this now. I mean, you have even Sony that's now Sony Bend is just seems like it's going to maybe turn into a support studio, helping other first-party studios with some of the – take some of the work mm-hmm. off the plate. I, I don't know. I guess what the question becomes, and maybe the question I wanted to answer through this discussion was, is it better to have a studio making its own game – that could become a huge hit and generate tons of revenue and become an IP that lasts forever, that eventually becomes a TV show and a film. Or is it better to have that studio, like, helping the latest Call of Duty? I don't think there's an answer to that question because it depends on the situation, and there's always a need for outsourcing teams. Um, and if you're going to use Sony Ben for that, you're going to use Sony Ben for that. I guess it's a, how you're allocating your resources. Like, mm-hmm. 
maybe it's better to hire some developer for hire to do that stuff instead of having Sony Ben do it. Maybe it's better to have Sony Ben working on an IP instead of just doing support stuff for a remake of The Last of Us. Certainly or Sony disagrees. Yeah. Well, obviously they do. Yeah. Like I don't. I mean, also, there's a limited number of developers out there. Like you can't just keep setting up studios left and right. If you got these guys that are already there and organized, more or less, since in Bend, Oregon, have them do what you need them to do. Yeah. Because having them make uh, Days Gone for however many years it took to pay off for <laughs> it you, didn't did it. work out. Yeah. But Sony had to give the green light, so it's not all on Sony Bend. Um, but anyway, just an interesting recent phenomenon in the games industry, and I just wanted to discuss it with Matt to see if we could figure anything out. I don't know that I feel any more informed after our discussion, though. Like, no, I still feel I like I'm just... I don't think there's any black and white answer there. Like, yeah. there, I, there's no AAA game now that isn't made by multiple studios. There's always a lead, usually. Um, I think the the key to the good ones is that there's a there's a lead studio that has a creative vision and knows what the game needs to be and has the ability to sort of coordinate all that. Um, That's kind of the secret sauce, isn't it? Yeah, having a leader who has the the big vision in mind mm-hmm. and can work with these satellites to to make sure that they're all following in line to create a cohesive yeah. whole. I mean, look at the you know, any it's any collaborative project. I yeah. mean, even if there's only one, uh, even if there's only one team. Look what's going on with Ken Levine. Mm-hmm. You know, like if there's no strong vision, if there's no strong view, if there's if it just keeps changing all the time, you can't make anything. Well, that's a good example too, because he also is using like a support studio to do a lot of the grunt work for his small. Yeah, team. but that's everyone now. I, I, yeah. I don't know why you put kind of that emphasis on that kind of stuff. It's just it's just standard procedure now. Like it's like saying that like you're worried about a Marvel movie because they have outside prop houses making props for the thing. But that, that's everybody does that. I think the the more accurate analogy. No, I'm more concerned about. Separate teams making big chunks of the game that then get snapped together into the the whole of the game. I don't think they're making. I think that's unusual. I think. I mean, it makes more sense if you're talking about like a shooter with multiple modes. Yeah. But if you're talking about like a God of War thing, I don't think anybody's making individual levels on their own. Or like you're talking about cleanup. You're talking about honing and 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 tweaking. Um, and that's busy work basically. Yeah. I mean, and that's fine. Pays the bills. Like, Not very yeah. fun, but it pays the bills. Like I think, I think a, maybe a comparison would be uh, the difference between Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, where like Lord of the Rings was meticulously planned, had storyboards out the ass. Like, you know, they did three years of pre-production on that thing. Everybody knew from the production documents exactly what they were doing, no matter how removed from Peter Jackson they were. Mm-hmm. Whereas with The Hobbit, that was all done on the fly. People were literally getting phone calls from Peter Jackson from the, to the second unit of the day they were shooting to tell them what they were doing. Mm. Like. That's the key. Is like you have to have some kind of central hub. The, you know, there has to be a spider in the middle pulling all the strings. And if you don't have that, you're going to end up with chaos. And you know, and maybe you can blame that on having multiple teams. But usually, it's because there's no clear vision of what you're trying to make. Um, and it really does sound like maybe uh, Perfect Dark is maybe running into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine that's the necessary problem with Call of Duty, just in the sense that everybody knows what they're making when they're making a Call of Duty. Uh, it might be soulless and by the numbers, but you are still making Call of Duty. You know, yeah, you're no still question. making zombies mode. You're yeah, still everybody's pretty much on the same page what this needs to be. Yeah. Um, which is one reason I am so intrigued by what happened with Battlefield 2042, because you'd think they'd have that down by now. Multiple teams or not, Disaster. you'd think everybody would know what a Battlefield looks like now. Yeah. And yeah. they don't even have a scoreboard or voice chat in that thing. What? What? Just, I don't know. It just seems like if you take a single task and you split it into multiple jobs... You're just creating more opportunities for 
things to get screwed up. Well, that's, what, that's where the disconnect. I mean, that's just simple math. That's where the disconnect for me is because <laughs> video making a video game is not a single task. It's a thousand tasks. Well, but it is one task. Creating no, a video you're game still doing is the one same, task. You're it, doing the same thing on a single team. You're breaking up into And it's going to get broken up into parts, but when you're adding teams, it's broken up into even more parts. Right. But and that's really... just more opportunities for us, more employees with an opportunity to screw up. Like, I don't know. I mean, Naughty Dog does it too. Yeah. I think you're right though. I think the chain of command is really important. Um, because if you're if your chain of command and your communication isn't good, you're basically turning game development into that old game we used to play in grade school where you'd sit in a circle and the teacher would say something in your ear and you'd repeat it to the person yeah. next to you and you come back around and it's completely changed. Mm-hmm. And that's the potential of what can happen. Skinner says the teachers will break at any minute. Purple monkey dishwasher. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, uh, but like that's theoretically what Slack and Discord, all these, you know, that's that's the primary thing you have to solve. Is what we used email for back in the day. Yeah, the tech platforms help for sure. Um, you know, and for bigger things, you got to do that. It's like we used. That's why we used to team up all the different show teams for E3 back in the day. Yeah, uh, and that you generally worked, but you needed a central hub of leadership. Yeah. And a um, good leadership, and it's you know I think I think it's not a coincidence that you didn't notice that multiple teams worked on God of War because you had Sony Santa Monica and Corey Barlog sort of at the center of that. Whereas if you're you know answering to Ubisoft Paris or you know some vague Microsoft head entity about perfect art, you know maybe you're not getting the mm-hmm. same idea. You know maybe no one knows what it should be. Maybe yeah. they just know they want this. You know, they, we want a perfect. We want a new perfect dark game. Okay, what is that? I don't know. You figure it out. Yeah, like that's where you run into the problem. You know, that was <laughs> now Crystal Dynamics has figured it yeah. out. <laughs> Crystal Dynamics makes games that star women. They can figure it out. It's like it, it might be that dumb. Like, it might be. They're right though. They made Tomb Raider. Like they can handle Perfect Dark. Yeah, I can handle Joanna Dark. No problem. Do you think Perfect Dark's going to become a Tomb Raider clone? I can think of worse. It's possible. Ideas, it's not a terrible yeah. idea. No. Not a terrible idea. Breaking away from the first person shooter. Uh, mode would maybe be the best thing for it. Maybe. Third person action and RPG stuff. Unlike is, PlayStation, they don't need more shooters. So. No, they really don't. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. It's time for Name That Game, people, where I give you a set of clues and you try to guess the name of the game. You are competing against this guy, Matt Kyle, who's really good at this, but you have a huge advantage over him. You can use Google and the internet. He just has to use his brain. So typically, you guys win. Even if he does come up with the answer of the game before you, I will look over and give you guys a couple beats to get the answer into the chat. If it doesn't show up, Matt wins. Um, so I have five clues today. Let me just get the sound roll in here for Name That Game. If you win, you get a set of sifted stickers, and I'll ship them anywhere in the world. I just sent out a huge batch yesterday. We were backlogged by like four episodes. So if you have won in the last... Four or five episodes of Game Face. Stuff's on the way. It was just sent out yesterday. But I was so backed up from the holidays and then coming home. And there's all this private stuff that's been going on with my family lately anyway. Stuff you don't care about. But anyway, if you win, we'll ship the stickers anywhere. So doesn't matter where you live. Antarctica, we like to often point to. Hmm. Um, but anywhere in the world, we'll ship them to you. So everybody can play. Everyone can win. All right. Are you ready, Matt? Yep. All right, here comes the first clue. And again, there are five clues. They become more obvious as they go. The first one is usually very obtuse, hard to understand what it's supposed to mean, and then they get more obvious as we go. The first clue is, let me get the chat up here, actually, on the screen. Driven by conspiracy theories, it's more apt today than ever. 
Driven by conspiracy theories, it's more apt today than ever. <laughs> mm, we already did siphon filter. We did. Um, the, that, that saber got it already. You mm. actually were very close, though. You almost beat him. Yeah. Everyone's getting these on the first clues anymore. Yeah, he got it. Zet Saber, congratulations. Actually, I'm glad to see you win, man. You've been a supporter of ours for a really long time. I really like to see when people who have been with us since, like, our beta in 2015 win stuff. So that's good, dude. I'm glad that you won it. Um, you've been a great supporter, dude. Thank you so much for everything you've done across the years. So Zet Saber got it. It was Deus hmm. Ex. That's all it took. <laughs> Just talking about conspiracy theories and that it makes more sense today than it did then. Um, here's the rest of the clues, just for fun. I'll bring the camera back here. Um, it started a subgenre. That was the second clue. The third clue was cyber nano insanity, because it was a cyberpunk and all about mm -hmm. nanotechnologies. The fourth clue was when it released over 20 years ago, it was considered a specter of madness. Obviously, mm -hmm. Warren Spector built the game. And then the final clue, which is basically me just telling you guys what it is. An immersive sim before there were immersive sims. And that would have obviously given it away. So congratulations, Zet Saber. Send us a DM. Uh, you can send it here on Twitch. You're on Sifted all the time. You can send me a DM at Shane on uh, Sifted.net. Or you can send me a DM on Twitter. I'm at Dinfire. Any of those places works. Just make sure you give me your full real name, which I don't think I do know your full real name, even though I've really kind of known you for like six years at this point. Uh, your full address, make sure you include every detail about your address, postal code, province, any of that kind of stuff. It'll make sure it gets to you as quickly as possible. So there you go. Congratulations, Zet Saber. Good job on the first clue. I'm getting really bad at this, apparently. It's two weeks in a row on the first clue that somebody guessed it. So sorry, guys. I try to make it fun, but I can only do so much. Um, all right, let's see if we got some Q&A here. If you want to ask us a question, go at Sifted Games. There's already some of them in here, actually. Um, ETH Demon, that was easy, Shane. I knew it, but don't want stickers. Um, what do you, what gave it away? Because aren't there tons I of games about conspiracy theories? Yeah, but Deus Ex was originally subtitled The Conspiracy. Was it? I thought uh, it had some, some other name. Some packaging had it had conspiracy on oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it's certainly one of the first things I thought of. Interesting. Although, like, when you're talking about relevant to today, the first thing I think is virus, so my mind went to siphon filter. Well, there is a, vi there's a virus there's in Deus Ex. There's a virus in Deus Ex. Yeah. yeah. It has a pandemic. I mean, Deus Ex actually is kind of exactly what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. It's pretty bizarre and crazy. Um, all right, let's get to some questions here before we run out of time, and we are running out of time. Um, <laughs> Barry Lomax, he said it before you even read the clue, LOL. Who said that? No, nah, he, he was lagging. He he said it after you said the clue. Yeah, to me, it, his answer showed up after the clue. Your stream may be behind or lagging. Gino Mike, thank you. Love to hear the rest of the clues, Shane. You always do a great job. Thanks, man. <laughs> I need some positive reinforcement. Um, Nolan Elric. Hey, Matt, will the new place have the Transformers showcase? I didn't move. I helped someone move. Yeah, oh, yeah, he didn't move. He helped someone else move into a new place. Yeah, he's still there, and he still has his Transformers showcase there. Um, Slagathor, how much knowledge of game development do you feel you need to possess in order to be a journalist commentator on video games? That's a good question, actually. Um, Honestly, probably zero. Yeah, I don't think any. Like, I know people don't want to hear this, but... Yeah, like, you don't need to know how a movie's made to know whether to be a movie critic. Yeah. It can help with insight and kind of understanding where things are coming from or why they are the way they are. Um, 
Well, yeah. I don't I don't think it really matters as long as you uh it's is more important to be able to write and formulate like your impressions into something cohesive. I would argue it may be better to know nothing about game development mm. because it could affect your opinion of just the whatever it is that you're evaluating, knowing how it was actually made. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to just evaluate games, just put it on my put it on my desk and let me play it, and yeah, that's like, that. I don't know how useful it would be to know that much anyway, because most of the people you're reviewing this for don't know. Right. Yeah. So how do they even relate? It wouldn't. I don't think it would help your reviews be better. I think it would only make yeah. them worse. Like it probably helps for if you're gonna be like a, like a like a Jason Schreier kind of thing, like where you're like reporting on pre-production stuff and rumors, and th- you know you got to know what. You That's a good point. Helps to separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. Yep. Where you're like, what's worth reporting, what's just normal normal procedure that maybe people don't always know about. Yep. Um, yeah. In terms of being like a, a a commentator, I guess I guess so. Like it 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 helps, but like you know we don't know that much. I think it helps it. you realistically understand how long it may take for a game to be finished and released, yeah. stuff like that. It can be helpful. Yeah, although I don't know much about game development, and I know that pretty well. Yeah, I mean, you can just follow the industry after a while. You just kind of figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Good question, though, Slagathor. Really good one. Um, JMRain99, would you like some help playing through Elden Ring? I love From's games. Um, it's a, that's a fine person to throw yourself on that grenade. I'm still formulating my plan for Elden Ring. <laughs> I will get back to you when I have something figured out. I think I'm probably going to do some streaming of Elden Ring. Um, I don't want to make a big commitment where I have to do it like every day or even every three days. Maybe it becomes this thing where like every Saturday afternoon I stream like an hour or two of me trying to get through it. Um, But it'll be interesting because I'll have to get through X amount of it before I talk about it on Game Face and I'm not going to stream it before I do that. So anyway, I'll figure it all out. But if I do need help, like I hope you guys will show up for the streams and like help me along. Uh, You guys did it a couple times for uh, the first Dark Souls and I was trying to play through that. I would say like a lot of times it, I don't know that it helped because the problem is the quotient of people that make fun of me is way higher than the quotient of people who are just trying to help. Mm-hmm. And the chat, it just gets lost. It's like just everyone like, ha ha, look at Shane, watch Shane fail. Oh, that's really dumb. I can't believe you did it. These are people that have played the game like eight times or whatever. And I'm going through it like my first time and they're just mean. And so it's not very encouraging to be honest with you. And a lot of times that's why I quit playing because people just sat and made fun of me. And it's like, F you. Like, obviously I'm putting myself out here to play this game in front of you. I don't really like it, but you guys requested it and you requested it. So you basically, it turns out, so you can make fun of me. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. So Welcome to the internet. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why it's surprising to me. I think I'd look at our community a little different, and then sometimes I get surprised. Well, luckily, uh, no one's played Elden Ring eight times. Yeah, so. that's true. Yeah. But I bet you a lot of people will finish it by the time I start playing through it. Mm. Um, okay, so anyway, that's the best I can tell you. Um, Matt, MQMT, Matt's quick movie take. Brief comment on numerical grade for the following. No, we're not doing all these. We'll just do The Matrix. What do you think of The Matrix? I like The Matrix a lot. I did not like Seven, it a lot. 7.5 out of 10. 7.5 you give it? Yeah. I'd probably okay. give it like a 5. I didn't think it was very good. Um, it just seemed like it didn't even belong in the same like property. It was this weird like fourth wall. It's like a ver- it's a We very- know The Matrix was a popular thing and now we're going to act like. I, it just was weird, I thought. Yeah, well, they've always been weird. Yeah, um, but good weird. Like, the first one was really good weird. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think it's much better than the sequels. 
I would and, um, say it, I did enjoy it more than the sequels. I would. And, agree with uh, that. It, it's a very it's a surprisingly personal film. Like I think mm-hmm. Lana Wachowski is basically telling her story in that. It's like it's yeah. about you know the reconciliation of the masculine and feminine side, and and I mean it, it's not a slam bang action matrix sequel. It is. Uh, very much uh, a, a continuation of the uh, of the trans narrative that was there in the first movie as subtext, and now it's just pretty much text. It's obvious, yeah. Um, and I enjoyed it. I thought it, I thought it was interesting. I mean, that's a very inventive and kind of brave way to make a sequel to one of the most influential sci-fi films of all time. I understand why people didn't quite get. You know, if they if you're going and looking for like amazing revolutionary action like the first movie presented, uh, it wasn't really there. And there I thought was some there's some I mean some good stuff in there, but I do think it was shot a little too close. Uh, a lot yeah. of the action stuff. It's hard to follow. Um, some it wasn't really. Stuff. Also, they didn't have time to. Um, didn't really have time to rehearse everything as much as they needed to, but partly I think because of Keanu's schedule and probably some of the lockdown stuff. But like, yeah. Um, so I think it, it it flags there. But overall, I thought it was a, a really cool uh, kind of reinvention of things. Um, the meta stuff it didn't bother me at all. I thought that was very funny. A lot of it. I wasn't and offended I, by it. Also because like, like I sat and watched the whole thing. Also because like that pretty much is why that movie exists because they were going to make a fourth one, Hell or High Water, whether Lana was involved or not, and she decided that like yeah, I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna be involved because I don't want someone getting ruin it's all over my my story yeah and uh maybe people think that she ruined it too but like uh at least she did it her her way i agree and, with you i thought it's better than the sequels so yeah. that's better than it definitely seemed to know what it was more than the sequels the sequels always had a feeling of like oh i guess we gotta make two more uh, I've, the matrix sequels have always sort of reminded me of the back to the future sequels where it's just like you didn't want to make these really you didn't expect to have to make them but you had to make them or someone else is going to make them so you better make them and that's what you came up with on the fly kind of thing uh, Meloak, any comments on Phil Spencer pitching Steam Deck as the Xbox Switch? I actually didn't see that. Yeah, I didn't see that. It's smart. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, because it's not just about Xbox for Phil. It's about PC as well. So, yeah, it makes total sense. Like, why wouldn't he? I think most people look at the look at Steam Deck as the PC Switch or the Steam Switch. Um, I think it's just, it makes sense that he would do that. Um, Cinetike, I see your questions about consolidation. We basically talked about that for an hour at the beginning of the show mm-hmm. uh, when we talked about Bungie uh, being purchased by PlayStation. Um, Sneaky Shalit Snake, how you doing, brother? Uh, I returned Pokemon for not having uh, the main that I use. Have you ever not played a game for a stupid reason? Huh. Mm. I mean, I can't think of too many games I just wouldn't play. No. The dumbest reason I would not play a game is because it was just terrible. That's yeah, pretty much it. I'm trying to... And that's not really a dumb reason. I think there's definitely been a few games I just stopped playing because I just hated how they looked, but I can't remember what they were right now. Like, sometimes an art style can turn me off so much I just don't want to look at it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the art style on Psychonauts, but the damn game's so good that mm-hmm. I just trudge forward. Um, so, no, I think you're on an island on that one, Sneaky. How did you... Take that to the counter and be like, they don't have my Pokemon. I want my money back. <laughs> I assume like one of the, How do like, you even know he's not in there if you didn't play it? Like, how did you know that? Is Have they already released a list of all the Pokemon in I, Arceus? I assume they know. I haven't looked for it. but I just assume eventually I'll come yeah, I across. Guess some, if you want ones. Charmander, you know, one of the original starters, you're not going to. Right. don't start with it. So. Yeah, you'd have to work It might be in it. there somewhere. I don't know. Like, I'm not sure. Here's a good one from The Legacy. If it takes two wins an Oscar, what will Joseph Ferris say or do? <laughs> um, I mean, the good Aww. news there is that he would not be anywhere near the stage. Because yeah. he would probably not be a producer or anything on that. Yeah, that's funny. But, uh, yeah, that would be an interesting... Re- you know. 
Uh, next level, shh, why isn't Sony marketing Ghostwire Tokyo more? I know, it's coming out next month, according to reports released today. I mean, I, you could argue that they have uh, Sifu and Horizon to market first, and Gran Turismo. Yeah. Like, there's a non-zero chance that Ghostwire gets basically buried or moved. I would also argue that, like, they didn't know it was coming out. Yeah. It's been, like, nebulous. Nobody really knew when the game was going to be released. Yeah, I'm not certain that, like, it's coming. Uh, that that date feels kind of fake to me. I mean, honestly. I know it's been circulated widely, but, like, yeah. I, I feel like that's probably. Bethesda, it was, I think it's supposed to come out last year initially. And mm -hmm. then when they delayed it out of last year, Bethesda set, like, a hard date for this year. So, I, like, to me, I, I agree with you. I felt the same way. I felt like nobody knew what was going on with it. But if you go back and look, like, Bethesda has actually been really honest about mm -hmm. it and did set dates. So I do think it's coming out. I just think that maybe Mark, maybe Sony doesn't think it's worth marketing with their marketing dollars. And I feel like Sony maybe just wasn't convinced that the thing was going to get done because it's mm -hmm. been completely underground. Has anyone also remember seen that, like, a chunk of it being played yet? Not a spit, but also no. remember that, like, mainstream advertising for games doesn't start until a month before they come out. Yeah. It's too soon. Yeah. It's too soon for mainline advertising on that. Um, we'll do maybe one more if there is another one. Last one. Threadzilla. How long until Game Pass raises its monthly subscription price? Do you think that's going to happen, Matt? Not anytime soon. No? No. I, I honestly don't know what the normal price is because, like, I got in I think on, like, 15 like a, month. a crazy cheap deal... And then, like, I got it for, like, a dollar for the first few months. And then I only got it for PC for the first month. And then I got Ultimate. How much is Game Pass Ultimate a month? Is it 13 I think, I think or 15? Like, I think it's 13 or 15 a month. I can't remember. I think yeah. it's 15. So you think it'll go up over 15 a month and go past Netflix? They would have to have, a, a, really, great point they have, to have a really good reason for that. Um, you would have to have a really good upcoming game. To force that you'd, you'd basically do a, a, a deal with it, and then like it would pop up to that full price like three months later. I think it would be mm -hmm. a, that thing where you, you trap somebody and not they forget to cancel it. Uh -huh. Columbia Auto Renew, Columbia, yeah, the Columbia Music House uh, system. Um, I don't know. I don't think it'll happen anytime soon. I could see it. I could see it happening for like Elder Scrolls Six, some big landmark release that like, they know everybody's gonna yeah. want to play. Not Starfield? I don't think Star... I think Starfield's an, a new, an unknown quantity. Yeah. I mean, it's too new. They could get away with it, maybe, though. They could try it, but I don't think it'd be wise. Yeah. When do you think it will go up? Because Netflix, at this point, every year it goes up a dollar That's because Netflix doesn't have a revenue model. And um, Netflix is in deep crap. Yep. Just um, like... I'll say this. Pactor was right yep. all along. Yes, he was. All these analysts who are slagging him... Because he said all along Netflix was a sham. He's like, there's no way they're making money. There's no way that their stock should be this high. And sure enough, yeah, he was the, right. The revenue, the revenue they're pulling in is not is not equal to literal billions they're spending on production. It yeah. made no sense. Never made any sense. Yeah. So anyway, Netflix and, does and it every year. Everyone what their end game was, and it turned out that they didn't really have one. Oh, Vincent says ultimate is fifteen a month. Base game pass is ten bucks a month. Mm. So there you go. And there you go for Game Face episode. 287. Matt, we're coming up on episode 300. Yeah. That's insane. It's crazy. 300 episodes, three hours apiece. How many hours of gaming content we've done just on this show alone? It's pretty mm -hmm. amazing. And uh, thanks to you guys, we can keep doing it. We really appreciate it. But to keep doing it, we need your support. Head to patreon.com slash sifted. 
Uh, if you're watching this show on YouTube or you're listening to it out on any of the podcast services, and it's on all of them. And in fact, if you're a YouTube user and you would prefer to just get the show on your phone so you can listen to it with your AirPods or whatever, just search any of your favorite podcast services. It's there. That's 37 and a half days of gaming of content game we've done for Game Face. That's amazing. Um, but anyway, we want to keep doing it, but we need your support. We're supported 100% by Patreon. So head on over there. Drop us a pledge. If you want all our content early, it's $4 a month. Right now, I think we're the cheapest game in town. Everybody else has jacked up their monthly price as far as the big gaming Patreons are concerned. We've stayed steady. We've been on Patreon for four years now. We've never increased our price. But we need your help. So if you're watching the show on YouTube, please consider pledging on Patreon. And if you can't do that, head down to the description of the show and you can find out how to help us for free by subscribing to our Twitch channel with Twitch Prime. Again, down in the description, all the instructions. It takes a minute or two to hook it up the first time, and after that, it's just two clicks to renew every month. So on behalf of Matt, we're going to have another big show next week. We're going to have another big game to mm-hmm. play. A um, couple big games maybe this week, actually, for mm. next week's show. Yeah. Well, Dying Light. Yeah. The whole rest of the month, like we just put up Dossier for February, wall-to-wall, 10 games worth buying easily. There were really like 13 or 14. I had to cut like four off of it. So this is a great month. I hope you saved your money. I hope you still have your gift cards from Christmas. That's really what you want to do. Spend all those cards that you got from family members or friends. But uh, we'll be back here next Tuesday at twitch.tv slash games at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Until then, Game Face is up and out.